0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Lasso Lowdown. We give you the lowdown on all things Ted Lasso. I am your host, Lee. I am here. I am joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you?
1: A bit bittersweet, man. We're ending off another show, two in one week. Two in one
0: week. It's it's sort of epic that they both ended at the same time. We finished up Succession over on the line of Succession podcast. Spencer and I reviewed the last episode of Succession. That is up. That is posted. And here we are. Reviewing what I believe to be the last episode of Ted Lasso, they're leaving the door open a little bit, but I, anytime a show does the, and here's what all the characters do in the future montage, mm-hmm. I feel like it's
1: over. What do you think? If it isn't over, I'd be very firmly surprised. I think, I don't know if they were certain. I don't know if they were still optioning possibly a spinoff in some shape or form, but the episode as written, as presented, this is a series finale. It had all of the hallmarks of it. It had all of the shades of it. If it walks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's a duck. It seems to me the show is done, and having still not heard anything now that it is actually done concerning a spinoff or anything else, maybe the cards didn't fall the way they expected. But I think I think this may be the final bit of media for the Ted Lasso universe, at least for the foreseeable future.
0: Well, I've got a tid a piece of, a tidbit a piece of information for you that might. I don't think you know this. I didn't share it with you over text cuz I wanted to share it with you live on the podcast. What you this got? is something I've learned that they shot the they shot the season 3, right? And they shot the finale. And they made Hannah Waddingham come back to do the scene where Keely drops the binder on the desk that says wow. AFC Women Richmond. They made her come back to do that scene. Hannah Waddingham has previously said she was not willing to do the show without Jason Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis said he is done. It does seem to me, though, that that's where they're going, right? Because Hmm. I could easily see a a, a spinoff where they do an AFC women's, AFC Richmond women's team. And the fact that they pulled her back to shoot that specific scene after they were done with everything tells me that might be where their heads at. Maybe that's why they're leaving the door open
1: possible i mean it it would still work for jason sudeikis being done for a lot of the other cast announcing that they don't really intend to do anything else in the universe if they want to do something in the women's super league at least could give them a way of connecting to a few established characters and exploring that kind of way if they wanted to it it, it couldn't really call it ted lasso in the same way though
0: no no i think ted lasso the show is over but uh whatever they do if they do anything we will cover it here on the lasso luna podcast but Right now, I guess we're going to have to soldier forward, thinking that this is probably the series finale. We will review this episode like we do all others. kind of strange to be doing it for the last time, Spencer. Three episodes, I mean, three seasons. We've done every single episode. We'll be doing Biscuits with the Boss. Prince Spencer will bring a sweet treat to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I will do Tea Time with Lee, where I attempt to convince Ted tea is not quite as bad hot tea is not quite as bad as he thinks he is spencer will lead the recap every week knocking it out heroically which is absolutely wonderful because i'm in the middle of a cold so for him to lead the recap this week will be very helpful for me so if you hear me hawking and calf hawking and coughing i'm sorry i will try to keep that stuff out of the microphone but i'm dealing with a bit of a cold and then we will go to train wreck of the week we will award train wreck of the week maybe train wreck of the sea, uh, the season we probably could do that mm-hmm. it seems abundantly reasonable sports center top 10 where we discussed 10 not 9 not 11 not 8 not 12 things that we liked about the episode or thought deserved more discussion and then we will move on into ted's life lessons with ted um which i will do and that will be the last life lessons with ted probably ever because i'd really if they get if they continue in some sort of way i'm fairly certain that the, the ted character is done that Ted's stories out with. yeah that's over with so this is the last life lessons with ted spencer did you bring a sweet treat to the podcast
1: I did on, um, and, and uh, for what is a very comfort food kind of finale to the show, I decided to go with my single favorite treat from childhood. I ask you, sir, did you ever have an ice cream truck go through your neighborhood when you were a kid?
0: Not, no, because I lived out in the country. But I have one now. An ice cream truck does come through my neighborhood now.
1: Uh, have you stopped at it, and do you have a favorite treat?
0: Many, many times. It is an ice cream sandwich truck, mm-hmm. and I get the classic. Vanilla chocolate chip cookie, ice cream
1: sandwich situation. perhaps indicating I'm an old soul, my favorite ice cream truck treat, even as a very young kid is what one of the ones that's kind of viewed as a dad ice cream treat, but I've always adored it. I have with me a classic drumstick.
0: Oh, the drumstick. okay, that's good. Now how do you eat that thing? what's what's the what's the strategy
1: there? Uh, aggressively. aggressively is the strategy with this thing. But otherwise, <laughs> very much top to bottom. I know the people that like to start from the bottom. I am not among their crew.
0: All right, top to bottom. You probably have to eat it pretty quick because you don't want any leakage going on.
1: Oh, it, it has been happily melting while we've been preparing, so I'm going to, you know, utterly scarf this while you tell us what's what, what's new, what's the news in tea.
0: Okay, so tea, I feel like this is the last tea time with Lee because I, don't, I think the Ted character is over with, right? So I wanted to go back to our roots. I feel like this is a culmination of a journey here we've been on with tea, I want to use a brand that was suggested to us by a really awesome listener who contacts us, talks to us a little bit over on uh, our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Mangum Talks. They recommended a tea company called TWGT, which is uh, out of Singapore. It's a tea company out of Singapore. And I'm using their Earl Grey tea today because Ted is departing London and I feel like he needs to have a little Earl Grey. So I'm having an Earl Grey here. It's a little bittersweet having Earl Grey for the last time, having hot tea for the last time on the podcast, but that's what we will have. The most famous tea, I think, I think that's pretty, pretty fair to say the most famous tea out of London, Earl mm-hmm. Grey, that's what we're having today. How is the ice cream coming?
1: I'm very, very much enjoying this. I went to the store for the sole purpose of buying a single drumstick and I'm now regretting that decision. I should have bought a whole box of the damn things. Okay, well I got I got a couple
0: things to get through before we get the recap, so that will give you time to finish it. So one is the we are ready to announce the next show that spencer and i will be reviewing spencer and i will be reviewing week by week the first season of severance which is an, another apple plus show so if you have you have apple plus because you're watching ted lasso along with us keep that subscription let it ride go right into severance and follow us we're going to be following severance every week now severance season one debuted in 2022 so we're gonna be doing a backwatch, but we're getting ready for severance season two which will come out as soon as this darn little writer's strike is dealt with and mm-hmm. all the writers get back to work <clears throat> but that that show if anybody if you know anything about it or if you watched it you know that there are twist turns surprises theory crafting um galore in this sucker and we are going spencer knows nothing about it so we're gonna Not go, a through go through it i am completely sullied spencer's completely unsullied we'll be going through that week by week Don't worry about figuring out where the podcast feed is, what the name of it is. Don't worry about any of that right now, because when it gets posted, we will cross-list the first episode on this podcast feed. So just say stay subscribed to this podcast feed, which you want to do anyway, because if they come back with Richmond Till We Die or some sort of spinoff with the women's AFC Richmond team, we'll be back anyway on this podcast feed. So you want to stay subscribed to this podcast feed, we will cross-list the first episode of our Severance coverage on this podcast feed and you will be able to see it there and it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm really looking forward to that so that's what we're doing next so the second thing i want to discuss before we get into the recap is it seems that this season and particularly this episode has generated a lot of controversy it's probably the most controversial ted lasso episode i've seen in that people are kind of piling on and this is a phenomenon i've noticed um that i've noticed in modern television and the internet is the is the big culprit here. What happens is you have a show that people like or are interested in or following in some sort of way and then if the show changes, if it goes from a nine to a seven, the internet doesn't allow things to be a seven or a six, like it can't be that. It's either a nine or it's a zero. And so you get this massive pile on of it's garbage, you get the memes about like, You know like jason sudeikis was like had his house on fire when he was writing the scripts or you know and everybody's having a good guffon and having a grand old time about how much the show sucks now because it's for it it may have gone from like a nine level quality in season one to maybe like an eight seven in season two to like a seven six in season three that type of shit exhausts me and irritates me and i just don't have any tolerance for it so i'm actually kind of happy that this is the last episode of this because i feel like if it kept going what we would get Is more and more because when a show gets negative momentum, it just steamrolls and goes and the show can't get out of it. I don't think there's anything the show could do in season four to make people happy at this point. People have have twisted themselves in a pretzel with complaints and criticisms. Either it's too long or there's too many characters or it's too preachy, which is something I still don't understand. And it's all of these things which are core elements of the show. They do have a lot of characters in the show. There is a lot of story to tell. Sometimes they do have a point they want to make in episodes. We would just hear this accumulation of negative energy about the show. That stuff exhausts me. So if I seem a little irritated when I'm doing the show, A, it's because I have a cold. But B, it's because of that phenomenon. It's something I want no part of. Um, I think season three was fine. It was above average for a television show. Did I like it as much as season one? No, I didn't. But I almost hate admitting that because when you admit that people latch onto it and go, oh, okay. Well, then you're admitting that it, it dropped in quality. You're admitting that it sucks. We saw this with Game of Thrones. We saw this with the wire season five. <laughs> we see this with a lot of television shows where people don't like what it becomes. And the last thing I'll say on this before for, for I'll, I'll be done with this, this monologue Spencer is I think it's abundantly hard to end a show, mm-hmm. I think show endings are really really tough and they, y- yes some shows do them pretty well succession just did a pretty good one i think that's true i think breaking bad did a good one but that doesn't mean it's easy right and people have outsized expectations for what they want in a finale they want certain things to happen with characters a lot of people are just plum pissed off that the show's ending and all <laughs> of that negative energy continues to accumulate so all the negative ted lasso hate I really am not digging it. I really have been bummed out by it this week. I think this season was perfectly fine. If they decide to go on and continue the story, I'll be happy with it. But
1: that's kind of where I'm at. Spencer, what say you? I'd say it was ultimately a satisfying finale. Uh, it You talked, the show's been kind of trying to achieve some balance between the comedy and the drama, particularly this season, but it's been something that's been going through from season one going forward. And... I don't think the balance has always particularly been perfect, and I think it's rubbed some people wrong in each direction. This episode just leaned all the way towards comedy heartwarming. Drama was left behind, it's not going to address that. Most of those were just simply resolved to focus on much more what they're interested to in the finale. And it made for a comfortable, enjoying experience. I thought it was a satisfactory finale that checked the boxes that it needed to. Was I, was I overwhelmed? No. Was I underwhelmed? No. I was properly whelmed. With some quibbles that I am here to address, so allow, uh, sir, am I allowed to now pile on? Please,
0: please, yeah, I've I've said my piece, so you you can, yeah, <laughs> get the whip out and just torture the show for the next next two hours. That's, that's <laughs> you, totally you are fine.
1: here voluntarily, sir. Just pointing that out.
0: <laughs> yep, go ahead, Spencer. Fire away with the uh, recap well, for the last time.
1: F- first thing to address: a mea culpa. I left one scene on the cutting room floor when I was doing my recap last episode. that Some eagle-eyed fans pointed out that I needed to address and. Good Lord, do I, given how in- important it is to this episode. There was a scene in the last episode of where Rebecca has a knock at her door, opens it, and finds standing there Bex and Mrs. Cakes, Rupert's former assistant. So Rupert's- Her name was
0: Mrs. Cakes, like C-A-K-E-S?
1: Yeah. Pretty sure it was, yes.
0: Interesting. Okay, I didn't know the name of that character.
1: What, which I think was then a joke about these new assistants named Mrs. Bread. Ah, uh, yeah, Bread. You,
0: did, you did call that out at one point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Rupert's, what we thought at the time, was still wife and his ex-assistant, now as we're finding out, his maybe soon-to-be ex-wife, and ex-assistant. More on that here in a second. The episode, though, opens... Whoa! Last time with the recap. I'm so excited! (laughs) One game to rule them all. We are coming into the last game of the season, and this one matters volumes. If Richmond wins and Man City loses or draws, remember that one for later, Richmond will, for the first time in its career... Hold the Premier League title, but either way, no matter what happens,
0: they're they're getting an invitation to the Champions League. Which, by the way, Ted, completely on point with this criticism: The the league above is champions and the league below is champions. Uh,
1: cha- what championship the hell? and champions? It, that it, is it, it makes stupid. perfect sense once you understand how money works. Right points out to us later, <laughs> but we'll get there. For right now, the announcers are. Barely even able to process this incredibly shocking array of information, Henri Perry is utterly unrepentant about his preseason predictions. Man after my own heart. Uh, as Richmond heads into their finale with West Ham this week. The news is out, though, about Rupert's affair. Look at that. Uh, and it seems that this time it will have profound repercussions beyond just simply divorce, as it ex- is expected that in some shape or form he will be ousted as the owner of West Ham. Lee's applauding this information. Did you notice that Rupert
0: had on a cape like Darth Vader all episode?
1: The, I mean, last episode that we saw Rupert, they had him dressed somewhat normally as he's going out to get an event, and we're supposed to like him again and focus on that. This episode, he's supposed to be the villain, and he is dressed to match. Yeah, He has a cape, he's dressed in all black. If he, if he just had a rebreather on for a certain point, he would just be Darth Vader. But Rebecca's watching all this on TV... And for the sake of just taunting Lee and Lee personally, the show tries to pull a fast one here. So they delighted this didn't, in doing.
0: No, this is they so they've played the card too many times.
1: Yes, it's too um, much now.
0: Um I was I didn't remotely fall for this. Um I you know, I was a fan of Ted Rebecca because I like the idea of people being friends before sure. they enter into a romantic relationship. But that didn't that not happening Doesn't make me throw the series out. I wasn't that level of shipper with this thing. Some I actually do, uh, yeah, sure, great. But I, I I do like that they are instead purposely like wanting to illustrate like it is possible to have a a, a man and a woman being a a friendship, very close, where there is some where there is some sparks, but it never materializes because they're fucking adults Mm -hmm. and. They just continue to like really genuinely care about each other. I actually think that's like a beautiful portrayal. Nope. So I, I, as much as I've shipped these two for the last three episodes or the last three seasons, I have no complaints about where they went with these characters.
1: Nor do I, and I was always one of the ones adhering to. I wanted them to remain platonic for the exact reason you said. It's so rare to see it on TV that two people can be among the most important people of each other's lives, be of compatible genders and orientations. And just remain friends in a media setting, I think in large part because probably writers are so pressured by both their producers, the marketeers, and also the fans to hook people up, given the popularity of shipping.
0: I also think they wanted to show you a character that whose heart has been sold yes ted Ted's heart was given away to Michelle ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and mm. it's still with her.
1: yep uh well, let's go through the prank that they the last their last attempt at pranking, you know the particular you know Ted Rebecca Shepherds sure. Rebecca's in her kitchen. She's watching TV, and Ted walks out in his what appear to be evening garments. Uh they have a certain series of dialogue and mannerisms that indicate an element of awkwardness to each other. Well, it's Hannah Waddingham.
0: Do, it's Hannah Waddingham who does it. And I, I wish I could talk to this actress because yes. I feel like the last two episodes she was totally in on the joke and she was fucking with us because she yes. tried to make it as awkward as possible. God. And <laughs> then, it, and then as soon as Beard comes in in his thong and says "Milady," the whole thing snaps.
1: Yeah. Well. The, some people online were going, "Oh my God, are they doing a threesome? Oh my God, Whoa. there's Jane. Are they doing a foursome?" It's like, people, what show do you think you're watching right now? No, they're not doing that. I'm, uh, I'm also,
0: rewatching The Tudors right now. Now that could have happened on The Tudors could happen very
1: much so. <laughs> We've watched many a show on this podcast of where that is very much possible. This show, not this one, uh, odds are against. Particularly, you know, Beard and Rebecca. I, I don't see the pairing. Uh-huh. Uh, beard as said comes out in the thong implying a threesome then jane wearing rebecca's blazer maybe a foursome before maybe the show then clarifies what maybe a dress maybe blazer, a dr- blazer dress uh, what are you getting to- tomato tomato or was it potato potato what of the two potato potato uh show clarifies though no 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 there was just a gas leak over in their set of apartments and rebecca was kind enough to let them stay over and that the awkwardness that's going on between Ted and Rebecca is what we expected happened off-camera after last episode. He has announced that he is leaving Richmond as coach. She's fine with
0: that. She's not okay with the idea that he's not coming back.
1: Yeah, it's not that I refuse to talk about you going home, Ted. It's that I refuse to accept that you're not coming back. I like oh, that sentiment. Same. Uh, a poor and very confused housekeeper sees them all in varying states of undress and runs off to go focus on the guest rooms first. To which yeah. Beard James... I haven't finished the scene yet, damn it. Beard and Jane go out chasing after her to avoid having their toys tossed. Might after you be serve.
0: all that you get. Yeah, guess this might well be it.
1: Heaven knows I'll try. I fully expect for years into the future, when you want me to stop talking, you're just going to start singing that song midway through whatever the hell I'm saying.
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Wait, we'll be we'll be in season five of Severance. You'll be telling me how it's gotten a little not as good as the previous season. <laughs> you start singing. Yeah.
1: In the locker room at Richmond, the Honorable Judge McAdoo is presiding in full British court dress, working out the unresolved fines of the season. Which feels, this feels like it's just an established tradition that we haven't yet really seen on screen, given how much everyone is in the role of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the fines will go towards the season-end party, and there is a list to go through of people that have not paid their penalty so far this year. Jan Mas, was late at training, 200 pounds, naughty boy. Danny Rojas, not texting happy birthday on a teammate's birthday, unacceptable 100 pounds. Apparently a tiny little heart symbol emoji attached to a prior message. Entirely insufficient. Jamie Tott, Apparently fell asleep during team meditation training. Dude, I sympathize. That's in keeping with everything we saw of your experience with meditation training all season. 200 pounds seems a little bit steep, but, you know, I'm not presiding. Apparently... Speaking of steep. According to Jamie, he was not the only one, but he was at least the one that was caught due to snoring. And finally, one last one. A certain... Uh, Nathan Shelley, position being, I think, assistant kitman, at least for this one episode. Assistant to the kitman. Thank you, The Office reference. I figured you'd appreciate that. It was wonderful. Uh, for missing every training session, every match, and every team dinner this season, is hereby fined 5,000 pounds. The fact that he is a kit man all episode and is fined 5,000 pounds appears to be the punishment that the show is putting upon him and that the rest of the team and players are. It seems tongue-in-cheek, both in show and among the players, because really, none of them feel the need to mention anything else about Nate. He's back, he's literally assuming the mantle of season one Nate again, and nothing really else needs to be discussed about it. Drinks and karaoke for everybody.
0: Spencer, 5,000 pounds is 6,224 U.S. dollars. Please tell please tell our audience why Isaac does not have the authority to take $6,000 from Nate.
1: Uh, because he's just the team captain and Nate's not even, you know, a team player. So he's not even within that scope and ambit of the Isaac's authority. This is an entirely unenforceable penalty that would in no way hold up in court. And I would be happy, happy to represent any of these players at any time. Pro Hawk feature, of course. I'll use British Councils, my local council to contest these entirely unfair and unenforceable intrusions on their individual liberties.
0: It's been an enjoyable sort of thread this season of Isaac will do something and we'll get to the podcast and you'll be like, fuck that guy. He can't just tell me to fuck it." do, like no team sports over here.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. No, if, if I was in this room and he tried to find me even a hundred pounds, I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll see what that happens. Anyway, we get through that. Nate takes his, pu- takes his punishment, acknowledging it's fair. No further discussion is had. Drinks and karaoke have now been properly paid for, primarily by yeah. Nate, it seems. Outside, Roy bumps into Keeley. Uh, oh. They share a bit of an awkward exchange, and as she walks away, he stares longingly after her. Let's see if there's more on that here in a second.
0: So there are um, t- something like ten different references to the first episode. Yes, of Ted Lasso, and I think Roy Scaring Keely. That that's what that's one. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not going to go through every one of them here. Uh, I've listed them out, but there's a lot of them. If you, I mean, hell, if you want to see them, just fucking go on Twitter. But um, there's there's season
1: one, episode one again.
0: Yeah, they do an awful lot of callbacks to season one. Very much so, episode
1: one. Uh, meanwhile, Beard is revealing to Ted that Jane, in an effort to prevent him from leaving the country, has shredded his passport in what I must say is probably the most pretty pretty way possible of doing that. It basically makes a kind of work of art in terms of how it's shredded apart. Luckily, he apparently has triple citizenship. Vatican City's a country baby. More on that later if that's possible.
0: Uh, hey, so we saw, t- earlier we saw Ted texting Michelle mm-hmm. um, and he, Michelle had sent him a video of Henry excited for Ted to come home. Mm -hmm. I would like to point out that Ted, she had also sent Ted his travel reservations. So she she was helping him with the travel reservations home. So the the seed was planted early.
1: We're going to discuss when we get there about what the nature of their relationship is now and flash forward. There's some ambiguity, but maybe not as much as I think some people are saying. Lee's hands are bumping uglies right now, so I think he's got his view pretty clear. Romantical. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, why? Um, Trent, meanwhile, has draft copies of his book for Ted and Beard to read with a line that is just straight out of my playbook. Let me know if there's anything you disagree with. I won't take it out, but I'm happy to tell you where you're wrong. Yeah, uh, and, and so it is absolutely something you'd say.
0: And the Beard's reaction... Oh, I just God. felt like a, I felt like it was my spirit animal.
1: Where Beard was like, <laughs> it's a "Personal challenge." Roy walks in, asking Nate questions from uh, asking very much Nate questions from earlier in the season about how do you tell if a girl likes you. Everyone in the room, with bated breath, proposes maybe sort of Higgins on speed dial. Are you asking for an invocation of the Diamond Dogs? No, 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 go. Roy storms off to his favorite word and his favorite tone. Everyone is disappointed, and then so to fill that disappointment, Beard instead elects to rip into Trent's book, with just yelling derivative. At indiv- Nope, derivative, overly prosaic. Trent, again, my spirit animal, cannot be in the same room as this is happening and walks the hell out. Couldn't deal with it. In Rebecca's office, Rebecca dodges both press and friend questions on the subject of Rupert's divorce. Classy person that she is, noting that she just genuinely doesn't care anymore and so doesn't really have a penny on the subject. Higgy bottoms! She, she may also be dodging the fact that she has some actually rather intimate knowledge into the background of it too, given that Bex and Miss Cake showed up at her front, at her front door uh, possibly yesterday or a few days earlier evening. So that's, that, that,
0: that's a great point. That, that is probably part of it, right? She doesn't want to talk too much about it because she knows the other side of it but i also do think that they are taking great pains to show us just how much she's she's grown right like yes some, some she wonderful be
1: celebrating this a season ago
0: despite all of the mountain of horseshit that's been on twitter about this episode the last week there was one cool thing i saw there was a a wonderful somebody pointed out that rebecca's first word in the show was rupert and her mm-hmm. last word in the show was rebecca which mm-hmm. eh, i kind of like that
1: nice touch uh, Higgins, as you said, your favorite character in the show, Higgins! possibly in all the world, arrives to instead, rather than discuss divorce, broach the subject of new coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, noting that he's made a list of the usual suspects and also threw in a basketball coach from New Zealand just to spice things up. Worked out so well with Ted, why not?
0: Yeah, it was kind of like, we were all like fingers crossed for a spinoff. Maybe that's it.
1: <laughs> Rebecca, though, is in no way ready to have the conversation yet, acknowledging that Ted is... Only so much longer for the uh, this side of the pond. Next topic though that they have discussed is that they, given their current standing, as you noted, are due to be invited to take part in the European Champions League next season. Which I don't I think they're implying has never happened for Richmond before at any point previously in their history.
0: No, because they, they make a point going into the match of saying they'd never even been close to being first in the Premier League. Not not, not have it been first before. Have never been close to being and, first.
1: And savingly I haven't even been in the top four of the teams if they've not been actually considered for this. It this is an incredible event and achievement for them. And partly as a result of that, Higgins, offering to, you know, strategic advice as he often does, is suggesting that maybe Rebecca wants to use this opportunity to sell off part of the team, given that their value is at an all-time high. Rebecca would still keep majority ownership, 51%. But she would pocket a frankly huge pile of cash to use, at least in part, for upgrades, new players, proper mm. investment in the team, in the stadium. I'm kind of surprised
0: that she owns 100% of the of the team. Most most sports owners do not own 100%. For this exact reason, it doesn't make sense to own 100%. Because all you need is 51, or really, um, in, if you if you chop it up enough, you just need you know a plurality uh, to be the, to make all of the final decisions.
1: I mean, she inherited, she got it in a divorce settlement. It's possible, maybe, that, you know, Rupert was waiting for the team to do better so he could, you know, improve on the value for when he actually starts selling off interest. But like you said, the norm is that, you know, the majority owner owns like, you know, 30% rather than even a majority, necessarily. It's usually a combination of people that are there together. But she is at least considering this possibility, but in fact, she has an alternative why don't she just sell the whole damn thing? As said, she got it. She got it just to ruin Rupert's life, and you know he seems to be doing a pretty good job of that himself right now. So why don't she just cash in? She pokes Higgins on the subject of how much that might be for, and he, working off the top of his head, says two billion may be potentially in play. Oh fuck me, indeed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Notice the uh, the eyes of Keely. A lot of eye acting for Keely this scene where she's. She's noting that Rebecca is hurt. Like, you can you just tell. Like, when you focus just on Keeley, yeah. She's looking at Leslie.
1: She's concerned for a friend.
0: Like, she's hurt. This isn't going to happen. Like, stay cool. Like, she's just going through something. Because the, Higgins is, like, flabbergasted that she would be suggesting to sell the entire club. I mean, that would be his job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, it was just wonderful acting uh, with the eyes showing that connection between Keeley and Rebecca this episode.
1: From a purely financial standpoint, wouldn't be a bad call. You'd be selling at an all time high. You'd be able to have more than enough money for you and generations to come after you to do whatever the hell you want. You can't fault her for at least exploring the potential decision, even if, as you note, perhaps this is reflecting more a sense of loss than what what she actually wants.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a you go, uh, you jump, I jump, Jack situation. Shout out Gilmore Girls. She's just saying, (laughs) she's just saying that, you know, she's upset that. Also, Titanic. She's upset that, um, yeah, she's, she's just upset that, that Ted's leaving, so she's thinking about leaving too. And Keeley knows what this is. This is just a process that has to play
1: out. Uh, at training, Roy calls it a day on Ted's prompting, ending their last dance together. Whistle. Which Ted and Beard don't want to treat as anything special. They don't want to make a big deal out of it. No big song and dance. However, to their surprise, the team has prepared a big song and dance. They've worked out... A proper number, a la the sound of music. So long, farewell, which they deliver in delightful fervor. So long, farewell, Alvita. Alvita and hey,
0: so a lot of people complaining that the episodes are too long. You're one of them. This is a thing you could have cut, right?
1: Yeah. This
0: feels like a this feels like a web short. Yes. To be released after the episode, it didn't need to be in the primary episode.
1: I don't know why they needed. A lot of material in a lot of these episodes this season. But yes, this, while delightful, has no contribution value to the plot whatsoever. It is yeah. just meant to be a delightful little funny scene. Yeah. And it's not uh,
0: funny enough to, to do two
1: minutes on it, right? It is a proper, like, two minutes. They go through a lot of different permutations of the song and dance number. Uh, Keeley, thereafter, walks the halls of Richmond, greeted by Nate the Kitman. like, again, we are back in season one and no time has passed, and that kiss didn't happen. Okay. She drops off presents for uh, for Ted and Beard to only open when they're on the plane, or not at all if they choose not to leave. Hint, hint, maybe, please. Uh, And yells out, as you said, season uh, season one references the same thing that she did when she first entered the locker room back in season one. Is everybody decent?
0: I'm legally prohibited from talking about Keely and Nate. Uh, Legally? Legally prohibited. Our class action lawsuit from our fans against me for speaking about those two characters.
1: The plot lines were not necessarily the best of the season. More we can discuss on that later. Uh, the team, uh, she tells the team about their press obligations tomorrow and wishes them well for the game. Before she leaves, though, Jamie stops her to ask if she could be his publicist on a trip to Brazil for a Nike commercial. Kind of
0: slick, Jamie. Kind of slick.
1: Hey, would you be willing to travel, you know, to Brazil with me for an undisclosed, unspecified period of time? You know, just the two of us? You know, slick. Possibly, you know, sorry they only had arranged one hotel room you know these things happen uh she happily agrees to handle it and to do the details for him and maybe let's we'll see if there's any conflict from this roy possibly overhearing invites jamie out for a beer with nate merely being happy to see that the both of them are now best friends
0: wonderful this is this wonderful wonderful
1: Ed Mays Pub, uh, Rebecca's mom is offering a sort of condolences on the subject of Rebecca losing Ted framed with the setting of, you know, Rebecca's mom losing, you know, the dad way back in the past. So Rebecca's mom's a nut. We get it. Was this scene needed? No, none of this was needed. This is another one that definitely I think, my mind could have been cut.
0: I, I don't mind. I don't mind if the show's an hour. I'm, I'm fine with that. But like, I don't know why we're worried about Rebecca's mom right now. I don't I don't know why I care
1: about her. It, just, we're, we're touching base with every character we possibly can this episode just to give you a hint of where they all are for the sake of finale so you get sassy we do get sassy which i was happy for we get dr sharon that's watching the game in her office we get every fan that's even vaguely referenced to previously we get john wings taking a ball to the nose and cheering with blood going down its face everyone's touched on to some degree here uh for this scene, series though, finale indeed uh Mom's encouraging her to sell the team, just take the money and run. Explore the world and more importantly, explore yourself. They compare dreams, they discuss her tattoo removal security plans, they find out we learn we find out that she's learning how to skateboard, they go over Tish's predictions and whether you know she's a fraud to praise on people's weakness and whether Tish saw that Rebecca was going to say that. You say potato, I say potato. Question for you, Spencer. Is Tish for real in
0: this universe? Did, did were they trying to tell us that tish really was predicting things in her life
1: i think they're i think they're telling us that it's ambiguous and that it could be interpreted however we wish i think they're they're purposely playing this one loose with a smile on their face
0: okay what do you think um i think they were telling us that exactly that exactly what rebecca said that tish pre- preys on people's weaknesses that she could smell rebecca's desires wants de- de- needs desire for a child there you go desire yes. for a child a mile away and she prayed on that rebecca has since noticed that internalized it and fucked Tish.
1: and you know events then occurred in her life that can easily be assigned to the categories that were put before her nose uh while uh rebecca's mom and may bond over how easy the younger generation always has it damn freeloaders their meal is being comped by the fan trio who thank rebecca i loved and her that mom that, that, that was a classy gesture. We
0: could have cut the conversation with the mom, but if we did, just cut right to that scene. And May comes over and goes. They were, they took care of your meal, and then like they, when they come over and they say, you know, like the love and care you have for the team is inspiring. I love that connection to when Rebecca said, like, or no, when Ted said, like, um, this is not. This, we're just sort of stewards of we're the team. We're shepherd stewards. We're yeah. she, stewards of the team. We don't really. we yeah we own it but it's not ours kind of thing Mm -hmm. um they reinforce that here and i just i don't know i like to see that like um because she started from this place of i'm gonna fucking wreck this whole thing out of spite Mm -hmm. for my husband to getting her her story has been wonderful getting to the point where the fans are just thanking her for all the work Mm -hmm. that she's done to improve the community around that that team i think it was a cool journey
1: it was it was nice in that regard. It also plays into one of the prophecies about they refer to her as like the mother they never had, and later she's referred to as the matriarch and the soccer mom. Again, many ways to interpret a prophecy, if you will. She however, also
0: she also gets with this fucking the 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 poorest pilot I've ever seen in my life, uh, and his daughter.
1: Maybe he just likes living on a houseboat, sir. Who, who can say? Uh, however, Rebecca's mom is in no way their grandmother. They shall never say that in her presence ever again. Trent is closely would you monitoring. Say that? <laughs> is closely monitoring Ted's reaction to his book, uh, which Ted calls out that you know many people are divided on their views of the police nowadays, but everybody's opposed to the laugh police.
0: I'd like to Trent. point something out here, um, Car- he Ted is wearing Carolina blue sneakers. Mm-hmm. There is something that happens in this episode that made me so fundamentally joyful. I, ca- I, I it, it's the best. So uh, followers of our podcast network know that uh, I went to the UNC Chapel Hill. That's that's college I went to UNC Chapel Hill. They reference Dean Smith no less than three times in this episode. Highlight those when we get there. It's fundamentally clear to me that they are letting us know that the, the John Wooden poster on the wall was just a John Wooden poster. And the lasso way is is inspired by Dean Smith. And they let us know that this episode. This is the first hint.
1: You, you feel validated and honored in a way you've never felt before, don't you?
0: I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I, I'm not burying the lead.
1: My entire Center Top 10 is about Dean Smith. <laughs> I will cover some other things when we get there. Ed drinks. Jamie thanks Roy for being the father figure that he never had. Roy, though, possibly having overheard that conversation between Jamie and Keely earlier, transitions the conversation to Keely. As he and Jamie lock horns on the subject of who should be dating her. Things escalate quickly, not helped by Jamie copy to, copying to leaking the video being for him. You know, the Ugh. leaked video earlier in the season. Really didn't like that Jamie did that here. That really, you know, I felt took away from that con- very conversation between, you know, him and Keeley earlier. And also just, the you know, I- the issue of the privacy of Keeley, also previously. I don't like anything about this whole Jamie-Roy fight thing. I felt that it was a necessary effort, at like a, a, a triangle just to, you know, play another joke on fans here. It felt out of character for both of them. Um, but they get into a fight, it apparently goes straight up to fists, and we will find out more of what's going on there later. Uh, alone in the stands, like in the intro, Ted is greeted by Rebecca. Mm. She, she's decided, and will hold to this decision for at least the next 45 minutes of the episode, to sell the club. If you go, I go, like you said. Or perhaps they both stay. She makes her pitch that, you know, she respects his need to go home. Just wants them to consider, maybe there's a possibility that this is your home. Henry can come here. He can live here. He can go to some of the finest schools, enjoy the life-changing experiences of being in another country. Michelle can come here, earn her teacher accreditation, and then go home. That was interesting to emphasize that Michelle can then leave after she does that. Um, she, she can just sell 49% of the team and make sure that- That ten- is
0: kind of funny that she said, Michelle can come here, get qualified, and go home. That is funny that she said that she's she's, she might be she's got a little she's got a little Lee right in that like, hey, you broke up with my friend. Fuck you. Hey, Spencer, question for you. Serious question. Break it down for the fans. Why can't this happen? Why can't this occur? Yeah. What? Like because this is something we got. We actually had multiple fans uh, write in and say, why couldn't Ted have done this? Like what 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 is preventing him from doing exactly what Rebecca says here?
1: I think he's emotionally done. I think we've been seeing a lot throughout the season that he's not really emotionally connected to this work anymore, that his heart is still is longing for home and the family that he remembers and places there. Not here, not changed, not built to accommodate his life, but returning to the life that they've made that he's been separated from. His concept of home is across the sea, not here, and that's increasingly become more stark throughout the season. And uprooting his family to move it here would be losing, losing the home that he's hoping to return to and creating another that he's not really in a mood or state to embrace. Doesn't have something to do with like custody too? Well, like, I mean, that's why. That's again why she's proposing Michelle come over here too,
0: right? But I mean, I guess maybe what I was thinking was that like she has like primary custody of Henry, right? He sees her on the weekends and stuff. Like seems to be. Like he he can't make that call. Like he literally can't move Henry over without Wait. her saying it's okay. Now, the the counter to that is that basically uh, Rebecca says to Ted here, I'll make, you, I'll make you rich. Like I'll just give you the, I'll make you the highest paid fucking coach in the whole thing. Which you know a quick Google search would tell you he'd need to be paid around ten million pounds a year to be the highest paid coach in the God. Premier League. Why wouldn't he accept ten million pounds a year and tell Michelle come on over? Like let's 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 create some generational
1: wealth here. I don't think he wants the job anymore. I think he is very much emotionally out. I, I think he want again, Said it, I said it, and it's how, it's how I feel. His concept of home is over there. He wants to return to that. That's what he emotionally needs right now.
0: Yeah,
1: okay. Uh, also, just for the record as well, we don't kn- Uh, You are literally practically correct. I would be curious to know what their actual legal custody agreement says. What was part of their divorce arrangement with respect to that. Maybe just practically he agreed to less custody, but it seems like a weird decision on Ted's Ted's part. Who knows? Uh, She broaches all these possibilities, acknowledges that it would be crazy. But from her perspective, it would be a quality investment in Ted. and She just hopes very much that he would stay. Doesn't work. Ted doesn't even reject it out of hand, he barely even answers in terms of response, as if it is already very much a done deal, both in his mind and his heart, and, you know, between the two of them. But she had to try. Instead, she does, she proposes that she will sell the team and do her version of eat, pray, love while traveling abroad. Drink, sleep, fuck. Right on, sister. Right on. Huh. Outside Keeley's house, Roy and Jamie have showed up after their fight. Again, I didn't like this scene. This felt like more like a, a, wink, a wink and a nudge to the fans uh, and also just playing into some of our theories. I thought there would have been better ways for Keeley to, you know, end up just being Keeley fucking Jones rather than cutting off relationship ends this way. But to resolve their own issues, they've decided that they aren't Neanderthals and that Keeley should choose between them, giving her, you know, agency over the relationships. Keeley rightly slams the door in their faces and they acknowledge that they're idiots and instead go for kebabs. I just and don't I guess that plot line is done.
0: I think it's the most unrealistic part of this episode to me Yeah, um, because I just don't see how two men can be best friends chasing a woman that they continue to hang out with a lot. I mean, they're at a cookout they're with, they co- sitting with her at the All cookout. Friends with her. at the, yeah, like they continue to hang out with Keely a lot and she hasn't outright rejected either one. And she continues to sort of leave the door open for either one. If that's what she's doing, something could have happened off screen that we don't know about. Suck. She could have rejected him, but have we well haven't screen. we haven't seen her say no to the either one of these guys, straight up. Right? How, how would that work? I mean, put yourself in that position, Spencer. Do you think you could do that? Like best, but your best friend, you and him. Pal around all day, eating kebabs and training and going to work. And then you hang out with the same girl that both of you are chasing. She hasn't rejected either one of you. And then you just let that ha- that that dynamic play out for six months, a year. That seems completely unrealistic. Like, something's going to break there.
1: I don't know. Apparently, they found some way of making this work. Maybe they form a trio. Who could say? Bish, I bas-bush. don't know. The, the uncle. Sh- the show is not interested in answering these questions. This plot line is now cut off.
0: Uh, unless there is, unless the, I think if there is a, um, I think if we get a, a spinoff, I, again, I think it'll be about AFC, AFC Richmond women's team. I think this plot line will come back into play.
1: Maybe so. Uh, because
0: that's, that's one that they did not wrap up at all. It's still almost midway through that
1: plot. The closest we get to a wrap-up is the subject of, you know, this relationship triangle. They slam the door in the face of that immediately, and nobody discusses it anymore. Whether they return to it in the future, who can say? The show's not interested in exploring that further. It seems very much trying to slam the door in further discussion.
0: I mean, they clearly
1: were setting up that
0: Roy had work to do on himself... Before yes. he could be in that relationship with Keely, we Jamie's end had a three-season arc. Yeah, we Jamie's doing the same thing. We end with Roy in Doctor Sharon's office, clearly still doing that work on himself. Both of them are at the cookout with her. Like something's got to fucking give here, folks. This N- is the le This is the New Orleans
1: levy. It's going. It's something's <laughs> breaking. Who knows? Phoebe's got two great guys, great uncles hanging around her. That's all I know from that barbecue cookout of there at the end. Uh, In terms of other plot lines, they want to kind of wrap up and move on to other things. Ted surprises Nate. Oh, my fucking God. And we get our apology scene. And I won't go through it beat by beat other than to just brag. This is almost exactly what I called that they would do, except the 60-page letter doesn't even show up.
0: Well, it is and it isn't, right? Because you said that Nate would say, that Ted would say, Nate would try to apologize. Ted would say, it's not, you never needed to apologize, which which they do, which they do that, but but then Nate pushes through that and says, no, just let me say it, which I actually really like that because it's a hundred percent in keeping with Ted's character, which I talked about last episode, that Ted would say no need for an apology. I don't, I don't need that. Right. I love that Nate pushes through and does it anyway. Um, I apparently am on the fucking, the minority of this. Apparently, most people still want to string Nate up, uh, you know, tar and feather him. Uh, but I, Nate is fucking back for me. Okay, he's fucking back. He's assistant to the it is kit for all man. The players too, apparently. He's assistant to the kit man. He's giving out cash, cash, money for the fucking end of season party. He's he's there after hours, working, doing the laundry, it like he was just the fucking head coach at West Ham, and now he's assistant to the kit man
1: the humility for, day, for the humility
0: day. on this man shout out to nate he's back in the diamond dogs nate is absolutely back in the gang for me
1: well let's go through the process of that of where as you say nate moves to apologize ted says it's not necessary nate forces through anyway there's a sobbing hug and then ted comments that you know what's funny you only ripped up that sign once i tore that sucker down and ripped it up to- two times so you know you're already in the clear the show seems like it wants to focus on that being the only thing that Nate did wrong that entire season which that's a way of getting rid of that and, and addressing it we've we've gone in circles around this so it won't go on go on any further the Nate plot line this season I thought it could have been better executed the beats were there we predicted that but putting him on an island and putting him only with Jade and away from everybody else I thought did disservice to the process that plot and now it's made the last two episodes feel kind of rushed to me there
0: I loved it N- he's Nuff back said. I loved it he's back it worked for me perfectly. Shout out Nate. Ted continues. Get me a Nate kit. Can I get a Nate kit? Do
1: ja- you want a Jamie Tart shirt or, or or a Nate shirt first?
0: Well, obviously Jamie Tart first. I well, mean, there I, you go. Priorities. I assume, I assume you already have ordered that for me, but yeah, Nate's fucking back. I need I need it. I need the kit to say Shelly Wonder Kit on the back and on the front Diamond Dogs. Just a big okay. Diamond okay. I'm, t- I'm taking
1: notes. You can see me taking notes. Uh, Ted continues though, but I will tell you when I look up there, I still see it which they both agree is not weird, in fact, it's lovely, and they wish each other a good night, referring to the, the, the believe sign. On the day of the game, though, the announcers call the event while the fans arrive in droves, including all the people we've ever seen root for this team ever, from the Wanker fan to Colin Squeeze arriving under Winona Judd to Wings Knight and his girlfriend, who I don't remember the name, actually, fiance, don't remember her name, though. The fan trio are also at the pub debating the meaning of what to do in their lives if Richmond wins. Family? <laughs> Boring. Uh, while even Dr. Sharon watches the game on TV. Also across the pond, Henry, Michelle, and Dr. Jacob are also watching. <laughs> the Dr. Jacob is clearly not a football fan. It's offering who's ready to spend the next two hours of their lives watching the game until it eventually ends with an exciting 0-0 tie. The other two notably seem increasingly not fans of his anymore.
0: Yeah. It's like a, re- it, you know, it's a read the room situation, but I also think that he might just be a sort of jump for, he might be a Rupert. He might be a jump from woman to woman kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So he might be about done with Michelle anyway, but if he's not done with Michelle, if he wants to keep that relationship, the tone deaf fucking, you know, to elite levels of tone deaf here. I mean, I mean, Henry is not, doesn't, I mean, I know he had that issue at, at school, but he's not the type of kid that expresses, like, that this snaps at people or is overtly negative or anything. And when he's, he, he's even when sarcastic. He sh- when, he shot Do- when he shot Dr. Jacob that look, he would think Dr. Jacob would shut the fuck up about it, right? And stop making jokes about soccer. Well,
1: I mean, Henry and Dr. Jacob haven't been great for seemingly a while, given the snub that we saw Henry show Dr. Jacob when he went for, like, you know, a hug or a high-five whatever else, and Henry jumped in the car in London. Don't know if the two of them have never been simpatico or whether Henry has increasingly started to turn against him, but... Seems like Michelle's increasingly in the same boat from her just almost eye-rolling reaction to these comments from Doctor Jacob.
0: We all, everybody, everybody hates Michelle. Great, got it. But Ted still loves her, right? Yes. And I, I, I like, I, I like that she's as into his game as she is. I, I, I get, I get, I get, all the problems. You can list them um, for fucking, put them on Twitter. That's great. You'll get a lot of of likes and upvotes. But what I'm telling you is, I just like that she's really bought in in this. Uh, she seems to really care about it. I was kind of. I like
1: it, it. I think the writers, in some ways, did not expect how pissed the fans would be at Michelle when the news about Dr. Jacob came out. I think they intend that as being something that was, you know, bad, but just that would then lead to a conversation about Ted expressing how he felt about that. A significant portion of the fan base is just done with her after this information, conf- you know, associating tying her to as if there were, as if there is a scheme between her and Dr. Jacob on this point. Certain element of that is fan assumption, but it is not a, not necessarily a complete minority of the fan base. It is still pretty anti-Michelle at this point. I'll tell you of this: One friends.
0: I've talked I've talked a lot about how like if a, somebody breaks up with one of my buddies, like I am fucking done with that person. Like yes. I am I am willing to be the bad guy and burn be like, it all down. Yeah, but I also flip the other way. Like if my buddy chooses someone, like and it's made that clear, that's the person. Okay, that's the person. Make it like, work. We're okay. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be a Ted fan. He picked Michelle. Okay, great. So, Michelle, you're you're sort of back in the in the fold. It was fucked up what she did. And I think you're. I think you're onto something that maybe they could have used a different writing tool for Michelle's like dating. Right? Mm-hmm. It could have been somebody that was like not the marriage counselor. It could have been like I don't know the gardener or something. Like it could have been. They could have written that in a different way to not create such hostility for her. Because I, even I was the same way. Remember, I got on here when that, that news broke. And oh, I, yeah, was, I, I was both the right fucking act. cussing her up and down. I get I get it, right? But it's abundantly clear that he never stopped loving her. And he's happy to be back with her. So I'm happy for him.
1: I think one of the things they could have done better would be to emphasize earlier that some of Ted's concerns about it are irrational. And that he's just talking through those. Like if she's just dating another guy and that other guy is getting close to Henry. And Ted's responding natively to that and tells Michelle how he's feeling about that, how he's, you know, trying to come to terms with their relationship. They could have gone that direction, but I think they wanted to do something that was explicitly bad just on the other side's end, so that Ted can appear more blameless in terms of his views, at least at that time. Later, they then went into the more irrational thing with respect to Paris, though, so they could have already set that up. But
0: see, that would have been, they they didn't want to do too much of that because they didn't want us to lose the Ted character. They still wanted us to root for Ted. You know, it's almost like writing is hard. Maybe they should pay those fuckers. Maybe. Uh, Maybe.
1: You know, that I think that's currently be de- being debated, where they can live on just potato potatoes or maybe something more. Nate, well, you got me. You got me
0: for the first time this episode. You, you, <laughs> you got my cold. The, the potatoes the, what did the, it right the potato, there? <laughs> the
1: potatoes did it. That was good. Uh, Ted, meanwhile, was ranting on the subject of how, the, as you noted, that the names for the leagues don't make sense. Did, did you write this down or I'm going to read it out for us? <laughs> Uh, so it's a good I, rant.
0: Well, I, didn't, I don't have the whole rant now, but I, I, know, the, I know the crux.
1: don't right? make sense. Two years Two ago, years we ago, played so bad that we had to drop down from the Premier League to the Lower League that they called what? Championship. See, that don't make sense. Now, this year, we played so well, we qualified to go into another league, and that one's called? The Champions League. An entirely different league. Pretty much the same name, though. They don't make sense. And now, y'all were telling me that we get to go into the Champions League, that you get to go into the Champions League, you can finish as low as... Fourth place. That don't make no sense. Why? Why? Why is this happening? Roy, helpfully, steps in, just says money. "Money." Ted immediately goes, okay, yeah, see, now that makes sense. Okay, that's it. Thank you. Money, it explains all things, including the naming of various sports league teams. I
0: I like the relegation-delegation thing that happens in these soccer leagues. I do... I don't think it's quite as clean as it could be from what I'm reading. Like, it's it's a little confusing. Mm-hmm. But um, some element of that in some of the sports leagues I follow would be pretty fun.
1: I feel like this is in the category of things that if you were raised in the sports league, this makes just intrinsic sense. And then anyone that's stepping in as an outsider is just looking at it like it's modern art on a wall in terms of how little this makes, you know, authentic, easily parsable sense.
0: Well, the, I've, I've tried to, to talking to like a like a football and cricket fan, like a soccer and cricket fan, right? Yes. And try to explain the NBA seven-game series in a playoff.
1: Oh, God, you started too hard.
0: Nope. Uh, Yeah, they were like, wait a second, you play how many games? (laughs) You you lose the first one and you keep playing?
1: (laughs) Nate awkwardly comes in but honestly wishes the, the entire room well, and they and Trent all bond together. And to complete the experience of bonding, at this precise moment, Roy arrives and asks whether he can become a diamond dog. Before they even get there, the room feels they're just being pranked. But upon realizing they aren't, they are all sorts of excited and barking to the ceiling. Roy offers a very honest heart-to-heart on the subject of how he's been feeling this entire season that... For the past year, he has been just busting his ass trying to change, trying to become a better person, trying to get his fucking shit together, but he feels that he hasn't accomplished anything. He feels like it's still me, that he wanted to be someone better, not necessarily completely different, but someone improved from what he was, and doesn't understand why things have gone so wrong, and can people even change? So here it comes, here's the thing. You were right, I think, when you said that they,
0: they were striking the balance this episode of like funny, they were going for funny and like mm-hmm. charming and heartwarming, as opposed to dramatic and serious. But this concept that like someone that you're close with would just say, "I just wish I was a better person," and, and is dropping that at your feet, like that's more serious. That's more serious than this moment allowed it to be. Like this moment continued with the barking and the da da da. But mm-hmm. like that's a really. Heavy thing and like a, a really powerful thing for somebody to drop, and like I would have probably taken a taken maybe a little bit longer to talk to Roy about how maybe he doesn't need to live his life wishing he was a different person.
1: Well, how do you feel about everybody's comments about whether you can be a different person? Because we get some very different views from the room on this subject. Yes, I mean, you yes, people can change. Yes. Well, Trent Trent seems to disagree at first. Trent's the one that says that people are always kind of the same. Yeah. That there always is a core of the individual there. Well. Beard and Nate are much more on the subject and, you know, they've lived that one in one season one for years of his life, that yes, people very much can change. It's a process, though. People Uh, can change, for sure. That and Ted points out the fact that Roy's even here threatened to become a diamond dog, so very much to start the things, but One of the things they really hit though is that change is not about being perfect. Perfect sucks. Except in everything other than people and then they go through a list of all the things that are perfect that you see in terms of around, in terms of around the world. certain movies, Trent's hair. question oh, I got a question for you. What is perfect to Spencer? I don't think anything is honestly. Yeah, that's so fucking kid. Inc- that's perfect. That's fucking perfect <laughs> That's is. a perfect Spencer view right yeah, there. I'll
0: tell you what it, I'll tell you a couple things I think are perfect. One when you when you sit down to dinner,
1: yeah, and yeah, you get
0: yeah. you get the first bite, the first chip and salsa bite. When you are sitting down, they get you free chips and salsa at the table, and you take that first bite of chips and salsa. When you mm. you know you're hungry, you just got there. That's I think that's pretty perfect.
1: I'll give you something. I'll give you something closest to, closest it gets to perfect for me. You know that kind of feeling of when you've just woken up and you've got that brief little bit of confusion about what day it is, whether you got to do anything, and it's that kind of right cold temperature in the room and you're snug into the covers and then you realize that you've woken up a little bit early but you got nothing to do but to roll back over and just be comfy and bit that's pretty damn perfect I think I
0: think, I think you're, you're you're telling something about yourself and your your work days I, here <laughs> hey,
1: per- perfect is a very personal concept
0: yeah I would say I'd say that's good I'd also say if you've ever if you've ever Either intentionally or mistakenly taken a cold shower or pure, had a little bit of cold shower, and you flip it back to hot. Oh. That moment is pretty fucking epic. Yeah, there are some perfect things in the world, for sure.
1: I, I, I would also say, in terms of films, Shawshank Redemption, Back to the Future, and Jaws, pretty damn perfect in their own unique categories. Never seen Back to the Future. Good God, get your Zemeckas on, sir. Mm-mm, never seen it. Uh, Trent's hair, can we also agree, pretty damn perfect?
0: Absolutely, 100%
1: uh you know questions here grace kelly's eyes the other side of the pillow Uh, certain meals of jacket potato and cheese and beans uh, spaghetti bolognese i'll agree on that billy Joel's the stranger album is a long list of things that are perfect clay thompson's jump shot don't have any personal frame of reference there but i will assume it's a thing of beauty but human beings are never going to be perfect Best that they can do is keep asking for help and accepting it when you can. And if you keep on doing that, you'll always be moving towards better. Higgins is a wonderful way of expressing these kind of thoughts. Higgins (laughs) is the fucking best. Higgy Bottoms! With excellent advice said, the room, with barking, rallies, wraps up the last of the Diamond Dogs meeting with one last question from Roy about whether anybody else wants to go. And as you hoped for, as you prayed for, Nate in the Diamond Dogs gets to tell everybody that he's got a girlfriend.
0: And and that she's
1: Jade, and she actually is a real person, and in his view, she's actually perfect. (laughs) And meanwhile, in terms of people that are not going so perfectly, Rupert arrives at the stadium, having apparently hired back George. They, They couldn't have actually just put the Imperial March in there. No... How many times do I have to beg any show that I watch to have the Imperial March? Is it so much to ask?
0: It's so close with that cape, man. Holy
1: smokes. It's like, it's dust in his feet. It's so long. I was wondering who he would hire as a coach. It kind of makes a certain sense that he would just hire back his old coach, George. Yeah, it does. Uh, George awkwardly expresses that he won't lose to Rebecca, which is also important to Rupert, because apparently if he his continued ownership kind of hangs in the balance on the subject of this game, and specifically whether West Ham ranks high enough to make it into the Champions League itself. As he's in the process of walking through the stadium, though, he runs into Rebecca and Sassy, and Sassy is in proper Sassy form today.
0: Well, Rebecca is
1: classy
0: so classy and 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 doesn't even seem it doesn't seem put on it really seems like
1: yeah, just like yeah to I, hope,
0: Rupert, I hope you're good and sassy drops this one i got the line i want to say Please. it looks like you're gonna lose another team my god you go through them like wives or mistresses but in all seriousness i do wish you the best because you are the
1: fucking worst choice words from sassy to wrap up her role in the show shout out sassy what a great character i she has been one of my favorites Uh, In the owner section, Higgins is looking for ownership updates to know whether he will have a freaking job next season. Rebecca's not here to help him in that regard. While Barbara confirms my very much held suspicions that she's more of a rugby fan.
0: (laughs) I would would bet my headcanon here is that if Rebecca did sell the team, A, she'd try to work in somehow that higgins could keep his job but i I think if higgins lost his job there's a pretty big parachute coming for him don't you think
1: i think there'd be a big parachute i also think any new owner would be a fool not to keep higgins on for at least a period of time given his intimate knowledge of the team and their environs and everything else about them he'd seem to be a useful bit of continuity and how utterly charming the man is of course the whimsy sir the whimsy uh as barbara says about rugby there's just more grown men throwing other grown men in the air like children And,
0: and blood which you know is nice Barbara, I have got the sport for you. Professional wrestling. Come over here to a a lovely America. We
1: have got the... Barbara
0: is a pro wrestling fan if ever I've seen one. Come on over, Barbara.
1: You're going to enjoy it. The things they just don't get on that side of the pond uh zava meanwhile forget about him he was in the season at one point previously it does seem like a couple seasons ago doesn't it Uh, what what was what was the episode the total length of this season that you sent me was like 700 minutes or something
0: yeah so yeah like 667 or something it's it's, it was long for sure
1: more than double the season one these episodes are much longer uh zava has sent the guys a care package a collection of t-shirts did we ever see what the t-shirts were I, i couldn't see if there was like anything on them no but danny would like to Yeah, Danny would like a couple of them. Uh, An encouragement card and also a just utterly massive damn avocado. Holy guacamole indeed. I can't Uh, imagine that
0: tastes good. You know, anytime you get this sort of like over-the-top large. Yeah, it always tastes like crap.
1: Yeah. Various vegetables, fruits, almost any product. If you are leaning things so hard in one direction in terms of presentation, you're letting everything else go to pot to make that one work. Uh, Danny has also gotten Van Damme a new mask and with his proper well-framed, well-fitting mask found, he is hereby christened as Zorro. Not Zorro! Zorro. Fitting and finally, though the room just straight groans that he's changed his name again this season. Uh, Ted calls the room to order and says, well fellas, if you're looking for a pep talk from me then you're in trouble, because like Michael Flatley at 11.59pm on St. Patrick's Day, I am tapped out. However, Instead, Beard has put together what amounts to a tear-jerker of a compilation video of key moments and memories for the team and also particularly the audience. Similar to that, you know, goodbye, farewell, sound of music routine earlier, this feels very much like a scene that's directed at the audience through the eyes of the team. That This is an opportunity to do a goodby- an element of goodbye, an element of compilation, or an element of fun that the audience is now sharing with the players very much directly.
0: With Ed Sheeran's uh, beautiful game.
1: Yes. Playing. Uh, it, it clearly is affecting, affecting enough that Beard realizes that eh, midway through that the timing perhaps wasn't the best to do this kind of thing, maybe after the game. As the team and notably Got me Roy, fucking sad too. Uh, well, they all go on the pitch bawling their eyes out, which is the announcer's comment. Necessarily, the best mindset to go into a game about perhaps contributes to their two zero uh, fall fall behind here shortly. It's you saying. know,
0: you know. I also think it's probably contributed to my mood. I don't, I don't personally like when shows end. I don't like the last episodes. There are a number of shows where I just didn't watch the last episode. I just didn't really? watch. I just, yeah, I don't like seeing about to characters. What
1: what's what 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 is your favorite show that you've never watched the last episode of or didn't watch it when it came out? Um, I can give you a second to think about it if you want
0: I never watched The Last Deadwood you've still never watched the last episode of season 3 of Deadwood you didn't, watched the movie though I didn't watch the last episode of The Wire I didn't watch the last episode of the Sopranos this is a thing this for is me. a thing yeah I don't I, like I watching la- I would not out of your I likely wouldn't have watched this I don't like saying goodbye to characters I, I don't like goodbyes in general so I like it gets me in a fucking foul mood and for them to throw this in here, I was like, it just sunk me, man. I was like, yeah. I, I was having trouble
1: with my notes and stuff. It's uh, it, it really did it, it it hit it hit. Uh, meanwhile, I'm very well known for my, lo- my my love of endings. I really just wish we got more of them in sooner on pretty much everything.
0: Yeah, Spencer will say goodbye
1: fast. <laughs> Hello, goodbye, <Auf> Evita Zeng, farewell. <laughs> uh, in the game, Richmond has some close calls on goal, but sadly they're rapidly falling heavily behind. Eventually, Rupert
0: describes one of the Wardrooper describes one of the plays as ticky tacky ticky fucking tedious four corners offense just saying okay four, four corners offense has been described as ticky tacky before as a time waster as as annoying uh second deep smith reference of the episode
1: well appreciate you mentioning that one uh richmond's going by in about two zero at the half and to make things worse man city again who they need to either lose or draw is up against liverpool Nothing's looking good for Richmond right now. Their chances of getting the Premier League title are rapidly fading. As the announcer's comment, the Cinderella story is turning into a big fat pumpkin, which as we discussed probably tastes terrible.
0: I feel like the uh, writing was good there, right? Because like Liverpool's probably not going to beat Man City anyway. I enjoyed
1: right. a Liverpool fans very pissed to see that this is their reference this season is losing to Man City for the sake of affecting Richmond's chances. Yeah. <laughs> in, a a team, of, in, in a
0: sort of inevitable type. Yes. Like storyline, right?
1: Well, I kind of appreciated, too, that there's a bit of a shift on this one, because you remember back in, in the end of Season 1, they had a miracle situation occurring off-camera that gave them the chance that whether they won or tied, they then could actually stay in the Premier League. This time around, the miracle chance that they need off-camera doesn't work out. A shift from Season 1. Uh, Ted, though, is armed with a very inspirational speech, and the players also have torn bits of their belief signed to bring to bear. Well, I won't recite the entire speech, it's a long one, but... Unlike some Ted speeches this season, I thought it was pretty good. Um, in, ter- in, in terms of the main notes, he's really just focusing on the fact that it has been an absolute honor to be the coach of these players, and the last three years he's spent with them has been truly one of the greatest experiences of his life, and he's loved and he's to know every single one of them. Are you just raising a fist in, 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 in solidarity, or are you no, more raising your I'm, hand? I'm
0: asking for the professor to call on me.
1: Uh, uh, Mr. Waterfield, please. Yeah, he says, we don't want
0: to know the future. No. No, are you... Probably get paid a lot less money, so, you know, we, we don't want to, uh no, he says, we don't want to pay the future, no, we, we want to get, uh, we want to be right here, and look, I know we're down a couple goals, but I'm telling you, man, if y'all play hard, play smart, play together, and just, you know, just do what y'all do, you know, go out there with a peace of mind, knowing we did our best, that we tried, yeah, play hard, play smart, play together, Dean Smith. That's the
1: the, re- the references are here. Clearly, there's a Carolina Tar Heels fan on this riding staff in some shape or form. That
0: one, that, like, some of these might seem, like, a couple of those like, might have seemed, like, especially the Four Corners one might have seemed like I was reading into it. Like, if you go to the Smith Center, which is where UNC basketball plays, uh, that's their home stadium, mm-hmm. play hard, play smart, play together is written on the wall and on the court. Like, that is a saying that Dean Smith has said for 60 years. Like, it is a, it's it's it is it's written in ink. It's very, very obvious <laughs> what they stone. were going. For. They're very, very obvious what they were going for, especially with Ted and Carolina Blue sneakers.
1: But with that Dean Smith sign off, the sentiment is in generally: we've come very far together. We'll remember each other forever. Let's w- let's f- let's find a way to make this all the more memorable with a proper win. The team have a symbolic gesture off in that regard, with each having individually saved and distributed the pieces of the belief sign, so that they now can symbolically knit them back together.
0: I got a question for you. Yes. Maybe a little too much with the belief sign.
1: I think that was kind of Ted's point from a few episodes back, that, yeah, belief sign's kind of gotten a little bit too much of a thing. But it's a big. it clearly means a lot to certain portions of the fan base, and they're here to accommodate them. This is an episode that is intended to appeal to a very broad section of the fan base in any way they can. It is fan service to the gills, but that's what it's going for. And it did the exact opposite. It made everybody fucking hate the show. I made Twitter hit the hate the show, but Twitter isn't necessarily an arbiter for the fan base. Uh, the team, yeah, they, 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 they Not do just the very... Twitter. B- what did you say? Not just what, Twitter. Well, yeah, I, I think there is a certain... I, I think the general summary for this episode is, if like, having looked at Wikipedia a few minutes ago, they, a lot of people thought this was one of the better episodes of the season, but they didn't, in their mind, fix the problems of the season, so they're more using this as a gateway to rant about the season. Uh, the team call out. Richmond on three. They charge on out. Richmond! Out the second half. Uh, Arlo notes that the Greyhounds have come out for the second half looking like the team that we've seen win 16 matches a row and playing a style of football that is as fun to watch as it is to play. These guys are a joy in-universe and out. We see a flurry of close shots on goal, bouncing off the woodwork at every available opportunity, perhaps maybe a Season 1 reference to ja- to uh, Danny and Jamie playing that game together when uh, when Danny first joins the team. Before Jamie, so, yeah. this time, buries it to put Richmond on the board at the 51st minute. Jamie. He's not done yet, do, though, my friend. Tar, do, tar, do, Jamie, here that he is, then gets free and draws a foul, setting up a penalty that he promptly hands to Danny, passing the baton, who then hands it to Isaac, who the show reveals here has never kicked a penalty before. Now, we heard early in the season he never kicked a corner kick. This is the first time I think we're hearing that he never kicked a penalty, though, right? Correct. Feel like they could have set this one up instead of doing the corner kick earlier to make this a little bit more effectively dramatic but oh well missed opportunity there maybe um isaac is scared as hell to be in this utterly baffling situation which the announcers pretty much call out his pants on head stupid to give him this kind of position here in this moment but the power of logic be damned isaac not only scores the goal he drives it through the net and breaks john wings knight's nose in the process Who absolutely, to his credit, just seems even more excited as a result. His his blood is up and out in this given moment. The game is tied. Stoppage is called to fix the damn net. And Rupert, fully on tilt, charges the field to confront his coach. Were you expecting this for Rupert this episode?
0: No. I mean, it's good writing, though, right? Because, like, yeah, yeah, this is a guy who's always at his breaking point. He's always under control, but he, he really is stressed. You know, because he's he's getting it from all sides here, rightfully so. But no, I yeah, I didn't expect it, and that's why it
1: was good writing. It shocked me. Uh, the coach and all the players and all the announcers and all the fans watching around the world are equally shocked, even more so when he basically demands that George just arrange for the players of West Ham to take Jamie out by any means necessary. George, who we've not had many good things to say about him in the series, has a measure of honor in him, and he just says, that ain't the game I play. Rupert. Not at all happy to hear that, nor to be told to fuck off, commits a battery on national television when he just shoves this old, jo- sho- shoves George to the ground right there on the pitch.
0: Yeah, and I liked, I liked the reactions. I thought, I felt like Sassy eating it up and enjoying it was really in Re- character. Rebecca and I liked Rebecca seems horrified. I, Rebecca seems embarrassed for him. Yeah, yeah, because really. she, I mean, you know, she did share a life with this guy for a long time, and she, this is this
1: is clearly him at his worst. Uh, George goes. Flop, flopping on the ground, his nuts waving in the breeze. Another season one reference right there. Three balls on the field. <laughs> that was a fun joke right there in that moment. uh Rupert, having come to his senses a bit, stalks off to jeers of the entire stadium. Wanker, wanker,
0: wanker, wanker. As he sadly looks which back, which is exactly what they did to Ted in season one.
1: Yeah, as he sadly looks back at what was his home team, his home people. Another whole world, another whole room rejecting him as he walks away, exiting the episode and the series.
0: Your actions have consequences, Rupert.
1: It does. I I, I so much like that kind of broader view of Rupert that we saw a couple episodes back. I kind of hoped that they'd maintain that in some way, but they are focusing on the Darth Rupert role for the, for, for this episode. They I need like, a villain.
0: I like that his womanizing has real consequences for him. I, I don't. I would not have been happy if that was just like, oh, it's something he's allowed to do.
1: Mm-hmm. He kind of was with Rebecca back in the day, but yes, the, the, the more, the more he, there are much more repercussions on him this time around. Um, George and Ted share a nice nod after this happens, which I kind of really did appreciate, and the game starts again. West Ham appears to drive it to 3-2, but Ted, look how far he has come, notices it was offsides before anyone else does. Wonderful. Uh, Beard happily tips him for his efforts, Given how much he's learned, and the game continues into the one minute remaining of stoppage time, which is a concept of, of soccer that took me so long to damn learn that, that stoppage time works. Richmond gets a free kick after Montlar is brought down, and Ted, using Nate and references to the Oscars and the Espies, to, uh, puts together a trick play to call, which assen- essentially amounts to Jamie draws everyone's attention, Bumpercatch passes to the now open Sam, and in the process, a winning goal is scored. Barbecue sauce indeed.
0: Yeah, and the crowd goes wild. Sam did it. Fans Michelle, go- Michelle and Henry cheering back in Kansas.
1: Yep, fans go nuts. Everyone storms the pitch. People are celebrating. Ted's doing the running man again right there in the field like he did in the original memed video from back in Season 1, Episode 1. Look at all the callbacks.
0: I do also want to point out that um, when the ref called it, mm-hmm. the first thing Ted did is turn and shake the hand of the coach, which yeah, is something yeah. something that Nate did not do earlier in the episode.
1: earlier early in, in the season. season. Yeah. Yeah. While the celebration occurs, the episode fades to black. And in the airport, Ted, somehow waiting on a direct flight to Kansas City from the UK, which I call utter bullshit about whether that flight exists, uh, is buying magazines and hanging out with the return of the ussy guy. Revealing, primarily through magazine, revealing through magazines and the SC Guy that one, Rebecca sold 49% of the team to the fan base, and relatively unheard thing in the Premier League, unless you're talking about a publicly a publicly traded corporation owning a team.
0: Green Bay Packers.
1: Yeah, we'll talk more about them in SportsCenter Top Ten. That Man City ultimately won the Premier League title with Richmond coming in second. And also, to my utter consternation, apparently Sassy has struck it big with her Starfucker program yeah she's on on the cover of magazine perhaps following in the role of an elizabeth holmes or some other form of tech billionaire going wrong but we'll see about maybe that in a sequel uh did you notice how ted paid for his magazines no i didn't how do you apple pay pay. look at look at those little bit of marketing efforts on an apple plus television This, this is the
0: stuff that pisses spencer off i loved pointing that stuff out they're just just a little plug for apple
1: i am gonna go eat like eight uh drumsticks to feel better about this afterwards why do you do this to me uh Rebecca, though, has come to see Ted in proper romantic comedy fashion. You and I were, uh, I've been saying that Ted and Rebecca weren't going to be a thing for like three seasons now. You've been, I'd say, out for most of the season on it being a possibility. Some of our friends, though, were still thinking that this was a last opportunity for it to work. No, no, no. And I
0: don't even think they were going for that joke here. I mean, Ted does say classic rom-com leave cute tactic, but I think... I think this was really like okay. We they, we have they, made that joke. We know that's not happening. Yes. This is really just a goodbye between these no, characters no. who love each other
1: in the show. Yeah. The show's not even. No. 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 I'm parents. saying. Yeah. Some but some people were still hoping with this scene that that would happen though.
0: You right? But my but yeah. But my point is is that they they have been playing with that.
1: Parac- I parac- I don't
0: I don't think they're playing with that here. No.
1: I, I think, think
0: they I think they have. They, they did that at the beginning of the episode. I think that they got over that. And I think here they weren't even, if people, if people were reading into it, that's there, that's, that's them. Right. But I don't think the show was making that joke here. I really think this was just a genuine goodbye. And, um, yeah, Hannah Waddingham is just a phenomenal actress. I mean, she's just going through like six or seven different Are emotions you? and clouds. And you can see like, She'll say something and her, cla- her her face just glazes over and then it comes back and then she tears up and then she tries to hold it back. It it, it was just a, a masterclass of acting from Anna Waddingham here. I thought it was really really good, but I I what I'm trying to say is I don't think they were making that joke here. I think this was just more about the characters.
1: No, and you know why I know they're not making the joke because Ted comments on the joke in episode. Yeah. Ted is himself pointing out the trope with a smile on his face. They're not going for that here. No. Uh, 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 she, no,
0: did you, I, how, how much did it piss you off that she bought a first-class ticket, though?
1: So damn much! I'm glad you referenced that. I was like, no, no. I will never exist in a world of where that kind of thing will occur for me. I happily say that. I will buy the cheapest Spirit, not even Spirit, Frontier ticket to nowhere rather than do what she did here.
0: Uh, you, There's zero chance you would have bought a ticket to go over there and say goodbye
1: I would send you a nice text message and that Wave from f- the window If I have to wave, I have to pay for parking So, you know, I will send you the most delightful little video of myself Maybe, if I find out <laughs> how to do it on my phone If you uh, find your phone it, It's around somewhere You made me throw it away during the podcast <laughs> Ted, though, is returning to his family. She is deciding to stay with hers, having been recognized as the club matriarch, after all. A better term for soccer mom. And as you said, Hannah Waddingham just acts up a storm as they each thank each other for meaning so much to each other over this time that they've spent here.
0: It's hard America. not to... It's hard... This is like a, in wrestling, we would call this a shoot, mm-hmm. where it starts to slip into real life. It's hard to not believe that some of this was her genuine feelings for Jason Sudeikis. I know that two have gotten close. Mm-hmm. They've talked about that. Um, in a, the show we just got done reviewing, Succession, the very last ep- a very last scene that they reviewed was the three in kids the playing around in the kitchen. And those were real emotions from the actors about each other in real life. It kind of got into a, this like sort of shoot environment. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some
1: of that was going on here. I very much think so, yes. They say their goodbyes, they part, and on the plane in a decidedly better class than when they arrived back in the first yeah. season. Would would this be business class? I think. I don't think this is still first class. Uh, this might be first class
0: because they they are in they're able to lay down.
1: It, whatever it is, it's nicer than anything I've ever been to. Even even the one time I did fly first class in the United States. Uh, and Ted, what'd asked, you think
0: of this reveal? This massive reveal.
1: Uh, let's get there. We got a season one reference first.
0: So huge.
1: Uh, Ted asks whether he whether Beard thinks that what they're doing is nuts. Again, season one, episode one. But You know, they had the whole thing friggin' out. saying goodbye to a bunch of nice folks and, you know, accepted that air conditioning is a privilege and not a right. I will never have that view. It is like a right that should be codified in the friggin' UN. Uh, but you do know. live in Florida. I, I couldn't live in Florida without air conditioning. Yeah, fair. Beard, though, reveals that he can't do this. Can't do it doesn't want to go he's in love with jane he wants to stay but he didn't want to let ted down so he's asking for ted's permission to run off the plane and into her arms ted points out isn't your luggage under the plane to which bearder feels oh it's full of rice i've been up for like three days straight i don't know what's happening right now ted almost concerned for his friend at this point just says okay you know please you're not abandoning me in any sense you know go follow your heart man do it you should go but I don't think they're going to let you off the plane, dude. Like, the plane's closed. The door's closed. We're kind of stuck here. Beard, though. Beard's got a plan. Beard always has a plan. Lee, what's Beard's plan here? Ah, oh, my appendix! My appendix! Specifically, <laughs> side, my appendix hurts. My appendix hurts! He throws a straight-on medical emergency. They escort him out of the plane, on a gurney, on the stretcher, with one of the stewardesses asking Ted politely, you know, would you like to go to the hospital with your friend? To which Ted says, nah, I'm okay, thanks, though. To which she, who I'm sure is going to do a tell-all piece to every journalist that wants to pick up the story, rightfully calls him a fucking asshole, given the information that she has. <laughs> so Rebecca walks out of the airport, though. You referenced this earlier. She sees a pretty little girl running down the street. You
0: didn't get to sees... the reveal.
1: What was the reveal you're talking about here? Ted Beard's name. We, don't, don't we find that out during the... Uh... I thought we found find that out during the wedding scene. Do we actually find it out here? No, we got it here. It's Willis. Reveal. Go on, man. Ted, talk, talk about
0: it. Ted calls him Willis. I, I, it, that's his first name is Willis. And it's wonderful because he multiple times has said, we well, should not Willis? About?
1: Willis to him. But yes, uh, Beard's first name I, is Willis. I've got it here. I love you, Ted. I love you too, Willis. I moved it later in my notes. Yes. Uh, as Rebecca walks in the park, sees the little girl. Did you recognize the little girl, by the way? No. Same actress that played Rebecca in the mirror. Oh, okay, that's good Hence part of the reason that Rebecca is drawn to her She may just be thinking that she's imagining the little girl again The way she saw previously Like her daughter type It it, it is her writ small Little girl falls, she goes over to help And Behind this pretty little girl is a handsome big Dutchman The man on the boat In pilot attire We never get his name, but he gets hers, and perhaps Rebecca has found her prophesized relationship and child after all, unless it's also the team, or unless it's also all the other possibilities it could be. I
0: was wrong about this when I said she'd never see him again. A little bit of consistency, because he had had stuff about, like, airplanes. He had
1: planes, which which, I I I I thought were just, like, you know, a style thing for his apartment, but no, he's actually just a pilot. Uh, in what is a collage of what I assume either are flash forwards or Ted dreaming about this while, while he's flying on the plane. It we doesn't a-
0: make sense if they're flash forwards because they you don't do flash forwards and then cut back to him waking up like mid-scene from what you were just doing. You would have stuck that at the end. We, this we doesn't. Got- you 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 put me on this because I watched it the first time and I just sort of breezed through it because I was tearing up. But like after I watched the second time, I'm like... Why would you place all of those? Because it's the it's the prototypical like the series is over. We're going to show you what everybody did in the future. Right. But you wouldn't stick that in the, the middle of his. You wouldn't stick that in the middle of his flight, with him waking up real time later. That is confusing to me.
1: I know. I know. They frame this as if it's all a dream. I also sent you that interview from Brendan Hunt, one of the writers, plays Beard, who said that no, no, it's all real. I think he may just be wrong about what they wrote, but. Whatever. Yeah, he might be
0: wrong because I I don't, I don't, that doesn't make one of two things is happening. Either it's a dream or they screwed up where they placed that. Because it wouldn't make any, if it's not a dream, then it makes zero sense to place it where they placed it in the
1: episode. I'm with you. But a little bit, little bits we get. Trent. Sees a draft of his notes. This one's more happening in real time it's from Beard and Ted. Beard's written the crap out of the thing. Ted, though, has just noted that he loved it, but suggests that they changed the title, saying it was "It's Not About Me." It never was. So he changes it to the Richmond Way, and we see him later happily signing away copies at a book signing in a, in a bookstore.
0: All uh, the montage here is Cat
1: Stevens' father and son playing. Yeah, wonderful song. Uh, Rebecca welcomes Roy as the new manager of Richmond uh sam has finally been selected to play for the nigerian team nigerian national team uh, the fan trio and may show off their new ownership shares having you know this whether whether this has more value than than green bay packer ownership shares which we'll talk about more later i can't say but they are proud to have them
0: i'd like to say that the father and son song by Cat stevens is a, a, a particularly appropriate because it is a song about how you love your son and eventually, the son will grow up to leave you. Yeah. And that was Ted's expressed fear when he's talking to his mother about why he didn't go back home. Mm-hmm. But the song frames this as yes, this will happen, but this is the natural flow of things, and it's sort of like it's it's okay, right? There's a, like there's a bittersweet joy to it. That, that's how this. That's just how this works, and it's an, it's it's okay. And like that's that's what Ted is going home to accept which mm-hmm. is the fact that he's going to go home, love that little boy, as he would say, but the boy will grow up and leave him eventually, and that's okay. Uh,
1: Roy, Roy says he's become new manager at Richmond, but also they have hired Dr. Sharon to work permanently as Richmond's head of mental health, with Roy, and notably, deciding to take sessions with her. Uh, Keeley Keely and Barbara are, op- are opening their PR firm, and, as you noted, Keeley is marketing to Rebecca that maybe they should start a women's team. Maybe that will go somewhere in the future, who could say, but Rebecca think, and Keeley both look excited about it. I think that's the spinoff. Uh, and uh, Roy, Beard, and Nate are placing their reassembled believe sign on the locker room, and, as we noted, in what is, in my mind, just all the further proved that this was a dream sequence, because it's filmed with a straight-up fantasy filter on it and fantasy lighting. And Ted's It looks noted- awful.
0: It looks terrible. Can we talk about that? Yeah, it, it either is just... It looks just fake.
1: ...really cheap-ass CGI. They didn't actually pay to rent out Stonehenge or even make a model of it or even pay for good CGI with respect to it. But uh, again, this is why I did my headcanon about, okay, well, it's a dream sequence. It's allowed to look fake. Ted's in the process of waking up, so the dream starts to come apart. Because then they cut immediately from this to Ted waking up. That's an atrocious-looking scene. It like, was... Yeah. It was weird. It I love the ceremony, you know, pagan ceremony for a wedding at Stonehenge. Sign me up, Lee. Take notes. Uh, but, but, but without Ted there? Uh, Ted doesn't make any sense at all These he's And again, Mr. Hunt tried to explain this. I don't buy it at all. This was a dream sequence. Otherwise, I can't make any sense of it whatsoever. Uh, Ted immediately wakes up after seeing this. Look at that. Uh, having arrived back home from his oddly direct flight to Henry and seemingly Michelle because she's there at the door to greet him as he walks in the door with his suitcase. He's with, with Michelle now. With Dr. Jacob, but nowhere notably to be found. That's done. Dr.
0: Jacob is across the tracks.
1: <laughs> or on them, who can say?
0: Yeah, look, d- here's the thing. Ted's my guy. I ride with Ted. He's picked Michelle. This is fine.
1: Sometime later, who can say how long, Ted is coaching Henry's soccer team with notably the same philosophy and enthusiasm that he used or used to use at Richmond. Reminding Henry and us all for the last time, incorrectly again, I feel I must add, to be a goldfish. The show ends with Ted smiling contentedly for the camera, seemingly now at peace with his life that he has chosen. That, sir, is the end of Ted Lasso.
0: And the crowd goes wild. The crowd goes wild. The end of season three. They call this on Apple Plus. They're calling this the season finale. We shall see. We shall see.
1: Let's talk about marketing here, man. Why wouldn't they market this as some kind of series finale? Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just go for the word of mouth? Why wouldn't they go for that kind of, you know, immediate stoking of uh, fan excitement with announcing a series finale kind of thing? They can still do a spinoff. This series is still done. Like you said, this seems very clearly the end of Ted Lasso. What What's the decision making here?
0: No idea. Uh, other than... It could be a push pull between the people who created and made the show, so like Bill Lawrence and, and Jason Sudeikis, and Apple, right? Because Apple might not, Apple might be pushing them to make more, and they could be a sort of in sort of prolonged discussions about that, and Apple might not be willing to market it as the finale because they're continuing to try to pressure these folks to make more episodes. That's probably the reality of what's going on here is that Jay, Jay is clear, very clearly had, a, had mapped it at, this out as three seasons. They completed that and he probably turned it in and Apple went, <laughs> yeah, that's cute. Anyway, when you doing season four? And he's like, we're not doing season four. And it's like, okay, all right. Good negotiations. We'll be back next week for more negotiations. I think that's what's going on.
1: Okay. Because Fine it's
0: enough. like Apple, I mean, Apple's put so much money and so and they've placed such an emphasis in all of their products, the Apple universe of having Apple TV as a thing. They're not gonna scrap the Apple TV thing. That is that's part of their business model going forward. They are going to do this. And this is their flagship show. It's the highest ratings, it's the most press, it's the most social media engagement. I I'm sure they're pushing as hard as they can to continue it in some way. I think that's probably why we got the got the add on scene of the of the Richmond women. That's probably what they're going to do. That'd you
1: know, be, the, you know be, another Apple TV Plus show that, that they really work, spending a lot of money and working on? Ah. Huh. Severance. Severance.
0: I've heard I've heard, I've heard something about it. They are. Severance. It's wonderful. And uh, you're going to get to learn exactly what the hell that's all about here
1: soon. I don't, I don't even know what the show's about. I know nothing about this thing other than it's gotten high reviews. We'll find out.
0: I can't wait. That, that will Bef- show up on this podcast feed. Our episode-by-episode episode coverage of Severance. Episode one will show up on this podcast feed.
1: Before we get there, though,
0: some segments, sir? Yeah, segments. Let's do train Rick of the episode first.
1: Rupert? I mean, it's got to be, right? He's the only one that does. Everybody else ends on a hideout. John's fucking wings night. get its, gets his nose broken and seemingly ends on a hideout. Yeah, it's got to be Rupert. I think if all the characters... I mean, every other character seemed
0: to, like win or do well but beard's path to getting there was a little strange he was Mm. a little odd he starts starts in a thong he has to fake it appendicitis like he has a sort of a a, i think he enjoyed it though he might be a bit of a train wreck but um you know not in any sort
1: of pejorative way but he's kind of a hot mess this whole episode well him and jane are just a train wreck they're just going off the tracks together it's how their relationship works that would be a real test for me
0: like if I was Beard's friend,
1: Jane is this a significant other.
0: Yeah, I'd be like, I'd be. You know what I'd be doing? I'd be doing the little hype, hype thing with all you guys. I'd be like, look, he picked her. All right, guys. Like we got, we gotta tighten up here. Like uh, I know she wears, she wears, she wears, she wears like jackets as skirts in public, but we gotta tighten up. We gotta get behind this Jane. Uh,
1: late. She's literally saying that he can't hang out with us because she's afraid that we'll seduce him and take him away from her.
0: I know, man, but you know there's there's some good parts about her too, right? She she paid for the dinner that one time. She puts live squirrels in my mailbox. He picked her, okay? All right, damn it, he picked her. He picked her, okay? This <laughs> is the this conversation. This is how these conversations
1: go, people. We're only exaggerating a little bit for comic effects.
0: Exactly how we would be doing it. Uh, all right, let's get to the sports center top ten. Uh,
1: first one for me: the UEA, the well the U E F A Champions League. Uh, Formed back in 1955, it involves, before we get to actually the group stage, 81 of the best teams from the various Premier Leagues around Europe, going down to 32 by the group stage, to find out what is not only the best team of their particular, particular division, but the best in all of Europe. Uh, in terms of just the utterly dominating forces in this, England has done very well with its teams, with its teams having 14 wins, with five separate clubs having won the title over time. But dominating far and above them, though, is Spain. Spanish clubs have won this damn thing 19 times. In fact, the current champion, Real Madrid, how many of those 19 do you think they've won, man? Six. 14 of them! 14! 14! Okay. Gina they have pizza. won as many as all of the English teams put together, including the most recent of Champions League title. That's what I got on that.
0: Okay. Um, so all of my sports center top tens are going to be about Coach Smith. Coach Dean Smith? I because there's
1: some variety around this.
0: Because they, well, I'll give you different types of things about Dean Smith, and I think it's important because Dean Smith wrote a book called The Carolina Way. Dean Smith's entire coaching philosophy has been through the years called the Carolina way. This is this is the the show was this isn't a last episode thing. Like they have been grabbing pieces of Dean Smith's philosophy to create the Lasso way this entire time. They even they even took the the name the Carolina way, right? Mm-hmm. They even calls out play hard, play smart, play together. So, uh Dean Smith, who's the head coach at University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, he has a 187 and 254 head coaching record. That is a 77 78% winning uh percentage he has Which two
1: utterly unheard of right
0: yeah it's it's extremely high yeah he he retired as the winningest coach in college basketball history that has since been surpassed um but he did retire as the winningest coach in history two ncaa championships 11 final fours 13 conference tournament victories 17 conference regular season titles one nit championship and um yeah, that that's coach that's Coach Smith. He actually played college basketball at the University of Kansas, where he won a national championship as a player, if you can believe oh. that. Uh, he is best known for running a clean program, having a high graduation rate with 96.6% of his athletes receiving degrees while he was the head coach, which by oh. the way, by the way, he was the head coach. He was the head coach from fucking nineteen sixty-one? through that 1997, long? 1961 Jesus 1961 to 1997, and he had that high of a graduation rate. He was also best known for being the first uh, major college basketball program to desegregate. He recruited the player Charlie Scott, who's the first black player to play in a major college D1 program, and uh, Charlie Scott played for four years. And played extremely well. He, he, he basically desegregated the major college progr- programs with that decision.
1: Nice. Uh, should we talk about the Women's Super League, given the possibility of another season with respect to it? Yeah, Far away. Uh, It's relatively new in the UK. Uh, There were some prior organizations with respect to it, but the Women's Super League itself has only been in existence for about 13 years, uh, displacing the Premier League national that used to exist beforehand. It is the top of the women's leagues, same way as it is for men's. There's a whole different series of of leagues down, going all the way through semi-pro and other different things. There are 12 teams, 11 of which are directly affiliated with men's Premier League teams. Kind of similar to what they do in the WNBA, of having those kind of paired teams that are tied in that regard. Current champion is Chelsea, having won six titles in the 13-year history of the league. The league is... They could use some kind of investment that Rebecca's, uh, Keely and Rebecca are talking about here. Their total sponsorship revenue for the last season was $14 million, suggesting that they are decidedly smaller than the Premier League, but they're potentially found there. And several articles recently came out indicating that um, the range on salaries... Can amount to, on average, as much as fifty times less than the men's. Uh, so there is definitely fifty some op- times. Uh, the apparently like average player earns about twenty thousand pounds in terms of playing. Both requiring a lot of them to have, to have basically side jobs in terms of supplementing themselves. So um, very the eleven teams that they're partnered with do offer a lot of contributions in that regard. I think I got the total investment number here that. Uh, in total, those, t- those teams contributed about uh, $186 million on their clubs, uh, their paired clubs, uh, for, for the last season. And, you know, if uh, Keely and Rebecca can form another team, they might add a certain bit of energy, a certain bit of sponsorship interest to get them all that more stability to continue on in that regard. Dean Smith pioneered the four-corners
0: offense. He didn't create the four-corners offense, but he really brought it to the mainstream. The four-corners offense is, in essence, where you get – your four non-ball dominant dominant players. So the all four that are not the point guards, uh, point guard to sit in four literally four points of the half court. So two at the baseline, two up up near the half court. You get the point guard with the ball, point guard will beat his man off the dribble. As soon as the defense collapses, kick out to the 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 open man based on the collapsing defense. That guy will bring it out front. Repeat. Over, over, over. What the four corners offense allowed you to do is to milk a lead. This, Dean Smith pioneered this at a time when there was no shot clock. So when you brought the ball up to court playing basketball, you did not have a shot clock. There was not an amount of time you had to shoot by. So they would run this four corners offense whenever they got a lead and would sit on the lead. And it it came to a head where in a nationally televised game during the NCAA tournament, they sat on a two-point lead for like nine minutes. And the fans just erupted, which they should have. I mean, Dean Dean was playing within the rules, but the fans were like, "Jesus, what? This is terrible!" Um, and that is that actually got the the shot clock introduced to college basketball and subsequently in the NBA and yeah. then then in FIFA basketball or FIBA basketball and all around the world. So you have the the shot clock, which speeds up the game, increases scoring and excitement in the game. You have Dean Smith to thank for that.
1: Nice. Uh, we get we get an off reference this episode to Beard. I think he's saying he had triple citizenship, which was going to assist him in terms of getting a replacement passport fairly quickly. Vatican City is a country, baby. I think the implication there is that he is a dual citizen, at least of the U.S. and Britain, which both countries do allow dual citizenship. Britain, in particular, is or UK is very complicated in that regard because there are essentially six different classes of British nationality, ranging from British citizen at the top to just. British protected person or British or, or British subject more at the bottom of that chart. Huh. All of those various categories in terms of whether you can reside in England or not, but all of those categories can get a get can get a passport of different classes. So, if you were having just a British parent that has at some point lived in the UK, or even if you were just the resident of a country that used to be owned by the UK during certain periods, you can still get a British passport of some category. Now, Vatican City, on the other hand, they do allow dual citizenship. They allow any numbers of citizenship because you can become a citizen of the Vatican City purely based on the fact that you work in Vatican City. You have to be a cardinal. You have to be a priest. You have to be an employee of among the thousand or so people that work and live there to become a citizen. So the implication here is that Beard (laughs) is in some way working for the Catholic Church. Wow. In In a very senior capacity to be located in Vatican City... It's not explained further. I'm hoping he's a quiet cardinal.
0: Can we please get like a beard after hours part two in the spinoff where we learn about his role as a cardinal?
1: I would love to see that, please. I want to see beard voting on the pope. Okay, I've got three more, which I'll
0: we can go back and forth, or can I can just do them. Uh, stories about Dean Smith. None, none of them. None of them are particularly long.
1: I've only got uh, one more myself, so go, go all three. Uh,
0: Dean Smith. Uh, Took over coaching the UNC basketball program in 1961. He was very young when he took over. He took over for Frank Guthridge, who had um, won the uh, who had won the um, the, NCAA, the NCAA tournament. Right, he had he had taken over. He had won the NCAA tournament not too long before Dean took over. So this was like a a big deal that this young guy uh, was was made the head coach. And for the first four years, he really struggled and in 1965 on a on the way home on the bus bus ride home from wake forest after a disappointing loss to the wake forest basketball program the college students at unc now forever in infamy for hung dean smith in effigy. You're and effigy and the, the players saw that You're kidding on the bus as they were driving back on campus they hung hung dean smith and effigy after that game the players. First off, Dean had to physically restrain the players from getting out of the bus to go attack the kids that were doing it, um, which he did because he's Dean Smith. After that game, UNC would win nine of their last eleven games, and he would Smith would subsequently go on to turn the program into a consistent success from 1965 to 1966 onward. Teams Smith's teams never finish worst worse than tied for second in their conference. So from Good Lord. 19, 19, 1966 on until he until the mid-90s when he retired, they never finished worse worst than second in their conference after being hung in effigy. All right, next. When Dean Smith died, he left every player he'd ever coached $200. You're serious? Yeah. Every player he'd ever coached got an envelope from the estate of Dean Smith. It was a check for $200 with a note that said, Enjoy a night out on coach. How many players got those? A lot, a whole like lot. thousands, right? Yeah, yeah, man, maybe not thousands. I think in the hundreds, though, for sure. I mean, there's only like 14 players at a time. Um,
1: that all? The, the more
0: not backups. all. Not all of them were you know alive. Um, oh sure. Michael Jordan famously did not cash his. He has it hung up in his office uh, as the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. But, yeah, every player got 200 bucks from Coach Smith, and he said, enjoy enjoy a night out, a good dinner out on Coach one last time. And this is my favorite Dean Smith story. You ready for it? Here yeah. it is. Best Dean Smith story I know. So this was in the 90s, and Dean had recruited a guy named Maktar Indai, who was a Senegalese uh, player. And he was – mactar played for chapel hill and they're in practice one day and mactar missed an assignment and coach smith runs out on the floor and he goes hey you need to look you need to go here but bu- bu- bu, you need to do this mactar looked down at his feet coach smith said hey look at hey look at me when i'm talking to you I, all right you missed the assignment here mactar would not look up he yelled at a couple more times mactar continued to not look up at him so coach smith dropped it afterwards he went up to him in the locker room he said hey man when I when I go up to you in practice, I need you to look at me when I'm talking to you. Mactar says, "Well, in my culture, looking an elder in the eyes is a sign of disrespect, so it's it's not common for me to want to like I I felt like I would be disrespecting you to look at you." Coach Smith said, "Okay, that's good, got it." Okay. Next week, next week they're in practice, and Dean's number two, Bill Cuthridge, is nowhere to be found. They he's not in practice. They don't know where he is tar gets a call from his mom from Senegal after practice, and he says, "Hey, why is your why is your coach here?" And and he goes, no, "Coach, coach isn't isn't here. Coach, coach Smith is here." He "No, no, not coach, not Coach Smith. Coach Bill. Why is Coach Bill here?" He goes, oh, well, "I don't know." The mom explains, "Bill Guthridge had been there the entire week preceding, hanging out with his family to learn the culture to come back and explain it to Dean, oh, wow. so Dean never made that mistake again." <laughs> He sent his number two guy to go to Senegal for a week to learn the culture so he never made that mistake again. That's the type of coach Dean Smith was and that's why I was so happy to drop Dean Smith facts in our final episode of The Lasso Down.
1: Last thing for me to wrap up what is, I'm sure we've only had nine at this point, right? If my math is correct. Uh, yeah, we
0: landed on 10 perfectly like we do every episode. Uh,
1: when it comes to fan-owned teams, effectively I'll say they fall into two different categories. One uh, which I think is more common among professional-owned teams, is what are just publicly-owned companies that own teams. And so if you own stock in the company, you arguably own stock in the team. Uh, in terms of the Premier League, the main one there is Manchester United, which uh, the company, Manu, that owns it, or in terms of their stock, in terms of the name of their stock, uh, is valued at $4.6 billion. Uh, And you can buy individual shares right now. I just looked it up. For eighteen dollars and eighty-two cents, if you'd like to own shares in Manchester United. Hmm. Uh, quiz question though: What is the main NBA team that is owned by a publicly traded corporation? Do you know? NBA
0: team that is owned by a publicly traded corporation?
1: You can buy shares in this in, in this corporation that owns this NBA team.
0: The Toronto Raptors. Uh, New York Knicks. Oh, the Knicks. Okay, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that.
1: Uh, there's a few in each in each, in each sport, the, uh, including in uh, baseball and in uh, and hockey. They're um, affected in this regard. More of what I think the uh, show is going for is, as you noted, the idea of actual fans directly having an ownership stake in the team. This exists around the world, primarily in, primarily in semi pro teams, but a few a few uh, major professional teams too. In the U S., as you noted, though the most famous example, the only example I think when it comes to the big four sports is the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, originally the Green Bay Bay Football Corporation, has been in existence in some shape or form since 1923. It is grandfathered in. We will never see this again in the NFL. It can't legally exist in the NFL. Under the current rules, the NFL only allows a maximum of 32 owners per team, with one holding a minimum 30% stake. On the other hand, for the Green Bay Packers, there are currently... Throw out a guess. How many many shareholders do you think there are in the Green Bay Packers? Last count.
0: 30,000.
1: 537,460 stockholders.
0: Wow, okay.
1: It is the reason that the Green Bay Packers are in a town of like 100,000 people. It is the weirdest damn thing that the Green Bay is still in that particular market, but it's because they are effectively fan-owned. And notably, no one fan is allowed to own more than 200,000 shares. That's 200,000... Of the more than 5 million shares that have been issued. Now, this may sound like a great idea, this may sound like a fun investment. It is meant to be influence in terms of the direction of the team. It's also meant to be a fun kind of novelty gift that you give people. These shares are literally worthless. You can't you can't sell them. You can only sell them back to the team for a fraction of what you bought them for. You can give them as a gift, kind of, sort of, maybe there's actually a process for it but they're not actually meant to be anything resembling an investment. This is not common or preferred stock in a corporation in any other sense of the world. This is a non-profit that you are buying the right to contribute to the decision-making and voting with respect to those decisions of. But it is a truly a novel creation. It shall never exist again in terms of the NFL. I doubt whether it's going to occur in any other sports in the U.S. at least. But it's a kind of a fun thing to see that this kind of legacy is still persisting into the modern world.
0: Okay, there we go. That's the Sports Center top Ten. All right, Ted's Life Lessons, and then we will wrap up the episode. I think the only episode only lesson that we can pull away from this episode from Ted, because this is Ted's segment, Ted Life Lessons, is that you can go home again. I mm-hmm. think that's I think that's the fundamental lesson here. Ted left. If we go all the way back to season one, we remember Ted left because his life shattered. His wife left him. He wasn't living with his son anymore. He felt like everything had exploded on him. So he went, found his own path, but he discovered that in finding his own path, that that was not, that the, he did not want to give up the previous life he had if he could go back to it, right? Mm-hmm. So he made a decision having this wonder, I mean, like literally cake, baby, like cake, like 10 million a year. He was going to get paid to hang out with this Spencer. How did Rebecca look this episode? Gorgeous. Yeah. And Keely and Roy and Jamie and just a wonderful setup all to go back to the life he had before. And what we discovered is that is that he could go back Is that he could go back. And I think that, you know, we have this. um This sort of concept that like once you you leave the coop, right, you leave your hometown, you leave a job, you leave this, you leave that, you go away, you can never go back to it. And I think the show's pushing back on that concept. Ted really is slotting back into his life maybe five years ago before his wife made this decision to blow everything back up. And what the show's telling us is that that's okay. That I'm sure Michelle learned something. I am sure as shit Michelle learned something. And Ted learned a lot about himself too. So I would say that maybe that's the thing to take away from this episode is that you leave home, you leave university, you leave a job, you leave a person, maybe you leave a friendship. Doesn't mean you can't go back and revisit that at some point in your life. Don't write these things off forever. Always keep that door cracked.
1: Excellent sentiment, sir.
0: All right. That's it. We are done, Spencer. (claps) Bish, bash, bosh.
1: We're done. I'm left to ask. Let's do it. We've talked about it. We've referenced it. What is your review of the season and the episode? I thought the I thought uh, was, uh, out of ten, let's say,
0: uh, uh, seven for the season. You give it a seven? Give it a seven? I give season one nine, season two eight, season three seven. Now, when I say that out loud, the, the, the first thing you could say is, "Well, it got worse," and you know the quality dropped off. I'm still talking about a fucking show that's a seven, yeah. like i still love watching it every week it still made me cry like every other week if not every week i still care about the characters still enjoyed the writing i still laughed it was still successful in everything it was trying to do to me i do think they could probably stand to hire an editor <laughs> but <laughs> they that, liked I, it too much they just wanted I, more
1: time with the show
0: but that didn't upset me like if 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 an episode ran an hour i wasn't like flipping out like i was fine that maybe we had it a couple you know, scenes here and there, like maybe the scene with Rebecca and her mother from this episode that maybe we didn't have to have. I thought it was a great episode. Everything that I liked about Ted Lasso from season one, the show was still doing. It's not as good as season one, but every single thing I liked about it from season one was still happening for me. And so I was still enjoying the show. And that's why it just, it just makes me so sad when I see this, like, just like narrative and like all of this like momentum to be negative about season three of ted lasso i can already see what's going to happen in two years it's going to be like people are going to use this as a punchline but it wasn't that bad and that's what frustrates me i still really enjoyed it this episode in particular i liked top top half of the season i liked it um yeah it was definitely definitely top half of the season for sure because i always appreciate this show when it slips a little bit more into comedy than the drama Mm -hmm. right So it was, it was already stylized in a way that I appreciate from Ted Lasso. I like where a lot of the stuff ended up. I like that they, you know, like, yes, I was rooting for Ted Rebecca, but like where they ended that made perfect sense. They landed that, that plane perfectly for me with these two characters. And I don't mind that Ted ended up back with Michelle because like for the people who are frustrated that Ted ended back up with Michelle, like you're probably frustrated with like 50% of the people in your life and the relationships that they're choosing to be in, right? Like we all have that in our life where we look at people and we're like, why is she with him? Why is he with her? That's not for us to decide, right? Like that, that's not like th- people get in relationships and they stay in relationships for all kinds of reasons. And they, I mean, you, you see people who fucking get married twice, three times, crazy shit. These things happen. That part is particularly realistic to me. Mm -hmm. That Ted would not have ended up with somebody, he wouldn't have ended up with Sassy or Rebecca or somebody that he met over in the UK that he actually would go back to his ex. Because how many fucking people go back to their exes, especially when you share a child with the person? Like, It, it happens all the fucking time.
1: It is very common. it's one of the things, too, that I don't know necessarily whether he was back with Michelle when he returned but I think they were together in a sense with respect to their son and on the same page with uh, the same page with respect to that. I think the show is implying that they are going to get back together, that they are yeah. headed in that direction. Just not as far, not as sure how far along the road they are. The fact that Dr. Jacob doesn't even show up, though, in any capacity when uh, Ted and Ted arrives back in Kansas City shows they may be a little bit farther along that road than I originally thought.
0: I was glad to see Dr. Jacob gone regardless. Regardless of what happens, right? I was glad to see that guy being gone because he's a fucking sleaze. But yeah, the, your bu- here's what happened, guys. Your buddy went back to his ex-girlfriend and sometimes that fucking happens. Well,
1: and you, you know what, what, what the problem was? All of those friends badmouthed the shit out of the ex-girlfriend before he returned to her and now it's awkward.
0: Yeah, now it's going to be weird for a little while but, you know, I think the only thing you can do is support your buddy and uh, ultimately... Ted never, they were consistent about that. Ted never stopped loving Michelle. We saw that over and over again in the show. He
1: tried at times, but it didn't work.
0: No. And so I think for Ted, it's a happy ending. I'm totally okay with it. I liked, I liked the episode. I liked the season. What say you?
1: I liked the episode more than I liked this season. I, in terms of I'm ranking the three, I'd probably do season one, solid nine. Season one still ranks high for me in terms of television shows. It had the exact right moment, the exact right tone, and was just so well-structured. Season two, a bit more risk-taking, a little bit more sloppy as a result, not helped by the fact that Apple made them do two extra episodes that kind of broke the flow and continuity of the, of the show a little bit. But I still think that it was going into a much more dramatic setting and mostly made it work, give it maybe a seven and a half, some, something along those lines. Season three, it still had the charm. It had a lot more flaws, though, driven by the fact that, like you said, I think the editing posed some problems and the pacing for where they went with certain directions. And a few plot lines, I think, just don't work. It was still entertaining, though. It was still enjoyable. It wasn't in any way bad. I'd probably give it maybe along the lines of a six, something along those lines. Uh, Mm -hmm. This episode, I'd rank higher than that, though. I thought this was a successful episode exact for what it strived to do. It wanted to be heartwarming, it wanted to be feel-good, it wanted to wrap up various plot lines in a way that people would find enjoyable and celebratory. And I think it mostly succeeded in that regard. Most of my quibbles are more related to how it wrapped up various other season threads that weren't executed the best, but the episode itself, for what it actually cared about, for what it wanted to demonstrate, I thought was I thought was a generally, generally pretty solid success. I'd put it not only in the top half, but probably about the top third of the episodes of the season.
0: Yeah, so... Don't come around my socials with fucking Ted Lasso season three jokes. I'm not interested in them. I don't find them funny. I think that the show was still pretty good. And uh, I don't like this idea that we're all just going to like, all right, let's get our internet pitchforks out and just start to hate something that is still a good quality and still emotionally affects a lot of fucking people. So eh, not for me. I liked it. And I also really enjoyed doing this podcast with you, sir. Damn straight. All right. We will be back. To review whatever the hell goes on with this show, if they do a season four, if they do spinoffs, whatever it will happen, episode by episode review will happen on this podcast feed. But before you get that, you will get cross-listed our first episode coverage of Severance. So the first episode of Severance, Spencer and I will go through here in a couple weeks, review, we will cross-list it on this podcast feed. And it, during that, you'll you'll get all the specifics you need to be able to follow our season-long coverage of severance and then of course we'll follow severance moving forward spencer anything you want to say to the audience before we sign off
1: we've been doing this show for a good long time and i'll say this whatever quibbles i've had with the show the fan base that we've built up with respect to this podcast has been a joy y'all have been an absolute delight to hear your comments to hear your critiques to hear your analysis or just hear your various now just quoting of us at various times the fact that we've become memed within our fan base is something i did not expect but it has been a rare delight. It's been a rare privilege. And I hope we'll, we'll keep on caring through and enjoying you through the various shows we do in the future.
0: Completely agree. This is one of our first show, first podcasts to really take off on the Bank of Talks Podcast Network. And we appreciate everybody for listening. All of the reviews, all of the writing in that you did, all the tea recommendations, the dessert recommendations, all of the, the writing in to tell us if you liked a particular plot line, if you didn't, if you liked what we said, what we didn't. All of that is super appreciated and we hope you'll follow us on other journeys as we review other television shows as we continue on in the Mangum Talks podcast network. You can check out all all of our stuff at www.mangumtalks.com or go to your favorite podcast platform, type in Mangum Talks. Those are the keywords. All of our stuff will pop up. As said, we'll be reviewing Severance here soon. We will see you then. Thanks everybody for listening.